to the Bros Who Think Podcast, starring your host, Mr. Lyndon Burton, and his co-host, Adam Schubert and Julian Navarre. This week's special guest, rapper Marcel P. Black. Look, fellas, you got a lot to get into this week. So, whenever you're ready, Lyndon, take it away, brother. Yes, 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Bros Who Think Podcast. My name is Lennon Burton, a.k.a. Youngboy Dewitz, a.k.a. The People's Champ, a.k.a. Beard Gang is in the motherfucking building. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 117, and I am your host, as always, Mr. Lennon Burton, joined by my co-host, Mr. Adam Schubert. Shuby, how you doing this week, brother? I'm doing well, man. It's, uh... It's going to be an interesting week for me because I'm doing the New Orleans Film Festival this weekend. Yeah. That's going to be pretty cool. I'm going to see Jojo Rabbit tonight, and then I'm going to go see, man, like the Shia LaBeouf biopic sort of Honey Boy. Ooh, I'm jealous of that. um, And Ferrari. Next Wednesday, I will probably end up either – you go, you're either going to record without me or record around my schedule because I'm seeing Knives Out. Ooh. So that's that's probably the most hype, I, and it's not even a, a, but a week from now. But Knives Out is probably my most anticipated this weekend. Okay, okay. Look, good, look at you go. Good for you, my G. We're doing that film festival jazz. Can't wait to hear what yeah, you got to say on Bros Binge. Yeah, I guess we'll talk about it on Bros Binge. I'm not, I don't want to get into it too much right now. Yeah, save that for you. That's, that's, that's for the movie pod. But uh, glad to have you. Also joining us later in the show is Julian. He is back this week. We will be talking football, basketball, and maybe even some China stuff. Maybe. I got to see. But we will be talking all that with Julian later on in the show. Also joining us, we have a very, very special interview this week with, I don't want to say Baton Rouge rapper because he's a, he's a, he, well, he is a Baton Rouge rapper, but he's bigger than, Baton Rouge underground. He's the biggest underground artist, Baton Rouge artist in Baton Rouge, and he, he doesn't even live in Baton Rouge anymore. He he tours and uh, nationwide. He's about to bring that out to worldwide. We're having Marcel P. Black on the podcast to discuss his new album, In Search of the Black Messiah. This is one of the, in my opinion, one of the best interviews I've ever conducted. And Ooh. that's no that's no shot at any of the guests. No, this is on me. I'm saying this is probably the best interview I've ever conducted. It was a great, great conversation with Marcel. You guys are in for a treat. We're not going to even spend too much time in the beginning portion of doing too much. First, I'm going to rant about something. Then me and Schubert are going to talk about one little thing real quick. And then we will get to the interview with Marcel P. Black. Schubert, don't mind me. Let me just rant real quick. Okay, so ladies and gents, I have seen the comments about Gina Rodriguez. Gina Rodriguez was singing a Fuji song and said the N-word. Now, you guys know how I feel about when people say the N-word. Like, I'm not, like, for it from non-black people. Like, I understand the situation of the world where, like, if it happens, it happens. If, it's, if it slips, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spit, like, cry over spilled milk about that. But, like, if someone calls me, it, like, if, if I hear it in public, I'll just be like, I'll look at the person and then, like, they'll make, then they'll make on contact eye contact with me and we may have a conversation we may not just depends on how the reaction may be but but i'm saying i do not tolerate 
people saying the N-word outside of the African-American race. With that being said, I have always thought it was interesting that people like J-Lo, people like Takashi 69 people like Fat Joe, people like Cardi B can say the N-word. They are of Latin, Latino American descent. And I've had conversations with people on this on Twitter. They were like, well, Lennon, uh, there's, there's such thing as Afro-Latina. And yeah, yeah, I know all of that. But how do you guys know that Gina Rodriguez is not Afro-Latina? How do you guys know that Fat Joe is? Because I've heard interviews with Fat Joe where he's like, I'm black, I'm black. And he's just saying that because he's hanging around black people. I don't know if Fat Joe's Afro-Latino. I don't know if J-Lo is. I don't know if Takashi 69 is. So if we don't know these things, how are we going to not get mad at them but cancel Gina Rodriguez? And look, I'm not a fan of Gina Rodriguez. I don't give a fuck about being Mary Jane. Or No, that's that's the fucking Gabrielle Union show. Jane the Virgin? I don't give a fuck about that fucking show. I just don't like hypocrisy. I do not stand hypocrisy. It's like, if we're going to call people out on certain, let's do it the whole way around. We're not going to be hypocrites about it. And I think that's something that, I can't speak for older generations of people here in the N-word because that, that's different. I'm talking about people in the millennial generation, for the most part, on Twitter, canceling someone when they allow others to say it. I think that's messed up. I think that woman doesn't deserve to be canceled. And if we're, if we're going to cancel her, we got a long list to go. So are we going to cancel J-Lo? We're going to cancel Fat Joe? We're going to cancel Cardi B? We're going to cancel Takashi 69 Well, he already canceled, but well, are we going to cancel Cardi B? I don't think so. So if we're not going to do that, we're not going to cancel Gina Rodriguez, even though, like, Bro, I don't watch fucking Jay and the Virgin. And I know it's like, Lenny, you're taking a weird, like, if you don't like her, it's like, but no, I just don't like hypocrisy. I think that show's over anyway. Yeah, for whatever it may be, whatever the case may be. But nonetheless, all right, Schubert, I want to ask you this one thing. We, we could have did this in Bros Who Ball, but I wanted to do this before. Shuby, Joe Burrow was ready to risk it all for Maria T- Taylor last Saturday. He was, <laughs> I he talked was... about this on the podcast, uh, not on the podcast, but on the radio show too. He was ready to risk it all for Maria Taylor. I want to ask you, who would you risk it all for? Do you have a list? Are there some individuals you would risk it all for? Who who are those? Who would those women be? Uh, it's mainly like actresses for real. Like there's not really I mean, it's it's not really anything that I have concrete set, you know? It's kind of like I appreciate you know, some of them out there. I guess I, I would guess I would say the ones that I follow on Instagram. Like I follow <laughs> Taysa Farminga. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Emily Osment. Okay. Uh shit. Um, that, are you just gonna say Taylor Farminga and Emily Osment as your risk it all list? Well, I mean, I said I didn't have it like concrete, set in stone. Like it's not well, like something right, well, that I've like, thought a, about. I'm, I'm gonna give some of my risk but at all, are, and, then, and then you but, can give some of yours. Why you think? Oh, you're like, oh, you're talking about like all time risk at alls? Yeah, all time risk at all. Like right now, if I have to risk it all, I'm gonna give you some of the people I'm gonna risk it for all for. I would risk it all for number one. I love Zazie Beats. There's something about Zazie Beats that's just like, ooh, Lennon would risk it all. You know how I feel about my girl Daisy Ridley. I would risk it all for Daisy Ray. Let's go. I'm risking it all. Uh, I would also risk it all for, I don't know if you remember from uh, My Wife and Kids, 
but the little girl oh, the up, she grew oh, up she's okay. now I you're saying the mom i was like no, 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 back no. then the mom though oh look at you no i'm talking about parker mckenna posey she is like is that like the littlest girl yeah but she was born in 95 she's a year yeah, old yeah. She's a year younger than me bro she's fine like she is google her right now and tell me she's not fine amber heard i'm risking it all for mcqueen mara like i'm risking it fucking all i'm trying to think she, of some anna I mean, she, might, she might swing back who Nothing, no, oh, never mind. You, uh, no, I know. Oh, I just, I, it just, it just registered. That's a bad joke. That's a bad joke. It's not even funny because they, they got issues. We don't know who telling the truth on that shit, but we're not even talking about that. I no. would also, I would also risk it all for Anna de Armas. Fine. Yeah. I would, I would pro like, look, I know people are going to be like, what? The Kardashian curse. But hey, nobody can't tell me this girl not fine. I risk it all for Kylie Jenner, bro. Like 100%. Like I'm risking it all. Amanda Damn, what's Parker McKenna Posey up to now? <laughs> Parker McKenna Posey is fine. <laughs> I risk it all for Amanda Steinberg or Amanda Steinberg. She's pretty hot from the hate you give. Sure. I'm trying to think of some others I risk it all for. But yeah, uh that's about that's about it for the most part. Maybe uh man, like for a while for a while it was Jennifer Lawrence for me. Ooh, but like J-Law. No, no longer. After wow, just because her nudes came out, you, you no pig. I didn't think her nudes were bad. <laughs> I didn't. I don't have any qualms with any of that. No, I just you know I think you know J Law has been phased out of the the, the popular <laughs> the popular like uh, you know Hollywood hot list. You know. Oh like, yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you. And look, let me be like right now. I mean, I'm risking it all for Ariana Grande. Uh, all day, every day. You know they made the most uh beautiful like today on the radio. I was talking about, or well, yesterday on the radio. By the time you guys hear this, uh, I was talking with my guy Josh, and we were talking about the scientifically proven through the golden method. There, uh, a scientist came out with a list of the most beautiful women. Number one was Bella Hadid. Number two was Beyonce. Number three was uh, Amber Heard. Number four was Ariana Grande. Number five were Taylor Swift. I don't think five and one are hot. Like I don't think Bella Hadid is like super good gorgy. Man, I can't even picture Bella Hadid right now. Mm-hmm. That tells you a lot. She has a very forgettable. Uh, she looks like a mouse. She she really looks like a mouse. Uh, another actress I would risk it all for. But, but like, like, but like, what was who's number five that they had on there? Taylor Swift. Taylor Ew. Swift. Ew. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Taylor Swift is gross. Like. Two, three, and four. I feel you. Beyonce, gorgeous. I didn't say Beyonce would risk it all. Isn't this chick married to Adam Levine? Who? Taylor Swift? Bella Hadid. No, no. Bella Hadid's the bitch that keeps making The weekend make shitty albums. That's The weekend's girlfriend. Is she the one that was with uh, the guy from The Bachelor? Uh, No, that's her sister. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gigi? Gigi, yeah. That's her sister. But, uh... I'm saying if I if I have to get my cougar bag, like a cougar risk it all for, and this lady's like a little older, but I really like her work and I think she would be a great like companion if I'm risking it all. Amy Adams, bro. Let's go. Like <laughs> weird choice, but I like the I like the ginger and Amy Adams. Uh, but reason why I wouldn't risk it for Beyonce is because I don't want to mess up that happy home. She got twin, she got like she got trip, she got three churn and Jay-Z. I'm not trying to get Jay-Z on my back, but at least Yo, Swiss Beats, I'm sorry. I would risk it all for Alicia Keys. Yeah, the the one definitely older woman that everyone would risk it all for, Jennifer Aniston. I would not risk it for Jennifer Aniston. Bro, she never ages. Bro, I would not risk it for Jennifer 
Aniston if I'm going for an old lady. Uh-uh, you tripping. Jennifer Aniston, the other... The, don't even get me started on her ass, her and that friend's Instagram shit. But I was thinking what your risk it all list would have been. Word, word. That, that's really all we got for the beginning portion of this pod. That's just our bullshit for the beginning. Let's get to the interview this week with Marcel P. Back, Marcel P. Black to discuss his album In Search of the Black Messiah. After this, we will begin the segment of Bros Who Ball where we talk about sports with Schubert, myself, and Julian. So without further ado, let's get to the interview with Marcel P. Black. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This week's interview is with, I want to, I, I was thinking about how I was going to intro you, and I wanted to say BR legend, but like me doing research on you, you yourself feel you're bigger than BR, and just seeing what you've done, you are a BR legend, but you have brought in your music worldwide. So we got, I'm going to say underground legend. Okay. Marcel P. Black in the building, one of BR's like biggest, like the biggest underground artist and from BR. Absolutely. Marcel P. Black, how you doing today, my brother? I'm good, man. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. And the funny thing is, okay, so I'd say I I first heard about you when Justin, when I interviewed Justin, shout out to Justin Ivy, my boy, and Juice. I, I remember hearing about you, and I was like, I'm gonna check him out. But then life happens, right? It's just so happened. When Jaira posted that list, I saw you comment and I was like, oh, this guy, I remember him and I'm intrigued by his comment because every, some people were bashing him, some people were agreeing, but you actually put forth a healthy discussion and I was like, I want to talk to this brother. Yeah, man, like that was cool. Like, like, like people were upset. Like, because Baton Rouge hip hop scene is like really fragmented, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, you got the street, you got the jig and stuff that. You know, that you want to go towards Bella Noche. You got like my segment of it, kind of like the underground independent hip hop. You know what I'm saying? You know, we ain't rapping over vocals. We, you know what I'm saying? We kind of keeping it in the culture. And then you have like, you know, the young turn up guys. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And then there's a segment of people who really are more just kind of popular on social media. Like, mm-hmm. they don't really perform much. Yeah. They don't really, you know what I'm saying? But it's like a group of friends who they know about each other from like social media. Yeah. And so for me, as a person who like, like I'm, this is you in the streets. Like I'm, I'm, street. I'm 22 states in yeah. already. Performing 22 states. Like, please don't put me with people who don't rap. Facts. And I, and I, I'm not saying these dudes ain't talented because they are talented. Yeah. Like, cause I, I went and listened to like, cause y'all made a playlist. I'm like, man, these dudes are really dope. Like, it's a shame that they don't really come outside and rap more. But like, as a person who, like, literally, you know, travels the country nonstop. No you know what I'm saying? You, like, you it just with, with my level of accolades. You know what I'm saying? And accomplishments. I would be disrespected if you put me, you know what I'm saying, yeah. on this with somebody who the last time he said his raps out loud was when he recorded it. Facts. I feel you know what I'm saying? And no, this ain't no disrespect. I, I'm no, just it's, saying it's like, 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 like put, put me up there. And even though I don't do the same thing as them, but when we talk about, if we break down like accomplishments as a rapper, I'm competing with Max. That's what I want. Word. I want to be mentioned with Max Manelli and stuff like that or whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying? Rappers who actually did a whole lot of stuff or whatever. And yeah. I'm still doing a lot of stuff. Like, I don't like the... It's I, not like you're retired, like you're active. Like I'm more active than I've ever been. Yeah, like, really? like, like, I, like, like by no means. I'm thirty. I just turned thirty six last month, and it's like I'm not close to plateauing. One hundred. Like this is my twelfth project that we both talk about in a second, and like, but and I'm I'm doing things for the first time. I'm a late bloomer, and I'm blessed, but I'm doing things for the first time in my career that I I'm since I'm so in like the indie underground thing, I have another ten years of my career. Do you think? And I know this is jumping the cart before the horse, but. I like to just let these conversations where they go, and this is what came to I'm going to tell you mind. right now, bro, I, I could be, uh, 
uh, very pedantic. So if I'm going too long, stop me. No, no, and that's that's pop, bro. <laughs> you on the right podcast because I love that. Like I, I we want to hear what you have to say, and, and it whether it gives someone gems, whether it entertains someone, someone will take something from this. And my thing is when you said that. It's interesting to me because I listen to Joe Budden podcast. I'm gonna be I'm 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 100 honest with that, and I I like some of the things they talk about when it comes to the era of streaming. And I wanted to ask you, being that you are a lyrical, con, I don't even want to say conscious, but oh, you I'm know, a conscious rapper. Okay, I, 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 okay. I claim I claim it. I claim it. Word, I claim it. Yeah. a lyrical conscious rapper that's in the underground that's blooming late. Do you accredit some of that to how the landscape is, even though some people who are trying to get that mainstream don't like how the landscape is due to streaming, but do you think it helps you because now all the lyrical conscious fans across the world can find you on a platform and find all your stuff? Do you think the streaming has helped that? No. Okay. I'm not answering, but like the streaming don't pay shit. That is true. I am where I am because I'm a touring artist. Word. Like one T-shirt's worth five thousand five thousand streams. Okay, you know what I'm saying. I feel you. You know what I'm saying. Fifteen thousand streams is one album sale. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's like, like, no, like I I am where I am is because like I am. This is something that like a lot of people in like South Louisiana don't necessarily understand or whatever because they don't. It is it's it's so crazy. Like I am an unabashed underground independent DIY artist, right? Mm -hmm. And because the 90s and 2000s, when the South blew up, pretty much the music industry was signing up every nigga who had a hit. Facts. Right? And so it kind of it kind of took away our infrastructure because, like, all the shit the white boys in Minnesota and in uh, uh, Arizona doing with, like, in California with Stone's Throw and with Rhyme Sayers and, and uh, Miller Music Group. Okay. All that shit was perfected down here in South Louisiana. Ooh, that's Master, Master P, when I took when I to the Bay Area, my E forties uncle, uh, Saint Charles, who had a record shop, and, and Uncle Saint Charles taught Master P how to be an independent. Because the first like mom and pop stores and like pressing on records, it was Uncle Saint Charles uh, shop out in the Bay Area. E forties uncle, okay. Master P brought it to the South in South Louisiana and perfected the shit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I and so it. and so and so, but what happened was when. The music industry started like buying up any rap, so it kind of it kind of took away our infrastructure. Like we're not even we're not even gonna give these people opportunity to create a label or a powerhouse because the one person who gets signed, you, if you fought loud enough and it sounds good in Atlanta, they don't give you a record deal, right? Yeah. You can't name besides I, I would say Jambler, right? Besides Jambler, you can't name one like powerful black owned underground hip hop label from the South. Mm, do you okay? No, because they kind of made, I would say QC, but that's Atlanta. That's underground hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, now, of course, Tech 9 do what he's doing in the Midwest. Yeah, facts. You know what I'm saying? But he, that's that. How you feel about Slim Thug in, in, all, in Houston? Because Houston kind of has that. Houston has their thing, but yeah. like, but like, are they, so it's, so it's, it's Slim, I mean, as an artist, but his label, are they operating on the same wave as mm -hmm. a Rhyme Sayers or a Stone's yeah. Throw? No. no you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I feel so, so, so like, but, so this is what trips me up about, what trips me out about South Louisiana in particular. Is that we invented this independent DIY out the trunk shit? Why well, I can say we invented it, but we perfected it. Yeah. But we don't use it anymore. I'm I'm a little older, you know. what I'm saying coming of age before the internet, mm -hmm. right? Like I grew up in a small town in southern Oklahoma, hundred miles north of Oklahoma. I mean, hundred miles north of Dallas, hundred miles south of Oklahoma City. It wasn't no goddamn black radio station. So for me, and this is before like I remember like recording a demo. 
you know what I'm saying, on my daddy's A-track recorder with tapes and shit. And I remember like having to like, like, it took us the amount, it was like four songs, it might have been like 17 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. To burn that, to go from tape, to put it on a CD, took 17 minutes. To, if, if, if I wanted to burn 30 CDs, each CD took 17 minutes. Ooh, so you so, 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 so we had to write the thing. Like I said, you couldn't send uh 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 you couldn't send uh MP3 yeah. via email back then. So if I and we'd have a black radio station in my hometown. So if I wanted my shit on the radio in Dallas, Oklahoma City, I had to drive hundred miles or put it in the mail. Yeah. Or drive hundred miles, right? Like and if putting it in the mail, you, they probably they probably wouldn't even. Fuck no. Yeah. It ain't never played our shit when we took it to them. <laughs> but it but it but it taught us how to talk to people, right? Or like what we would do is like, of course we used to freestyle and blah, 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 but like, man, you know, talent shows or like we'd go to the community center and we'd start a cipher outside mm -hmm. and when we finished pass out CDs. So like I come from under that old law, but at the same yeah. time, I was in college when all the tech started coming or whatever. So I'm I'm old enough to understand like the old school hustle and the importance of making personal relationships with people, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm still young enough to like be of age so I'm not an old dinosaur. As things as, as things go, but yeah. but for 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 me being an underground kind of hip hop music or artist or what have you, my best my best thing has been I I one hundred percent make the most money for being a performer. I understand the streams don't pay shit. Now it's cool, mm -hmm. it's extra money. Yeah, but like I understand that streams have replaced radio, and YouTube is one hundred six a park now. X yeah, you understand what I'm saying or whatever or. You know, IGTV. You know what I'm saying? No, I feel and you. so, so radio never pays shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so, they, like, they, like you see, even went on the other days talking about you got to pay two hundred thousand. Right, 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 right. And so, it's but as a person who doesn't make club music, I don't make street music. I don't make dance music. I make conscious hip hop. Like, I I, I went on ninety four point one with Boo Milton two years ago, like, cause they they had like a. Uh, he had he had this show, I want to say called 16 Bars, where a rapper comes up, kind of does like a cypher type thing, like Funk mm -hmm. Flex or whatever. And I I got invited up there, and I did my thing or whatever. And so while we was off air, I mean, it's on camera. Yeah. I told him, I don't give a fuck about the radio. <laughs> because I know how it works. Because yeah. I understand that, like, especially specifically in Baton Rouge. And shout out to Boo Milton. He's a great guy. Yeah. But it, it had nothing to do with him. But It's just the system of but like, but like, works. But like Baton Rouge, like Cumulus Radio is a top 20 station. So you don't even hear like Young Boy or Gates. They playing like Katy Perry and Bruno Mars. Oh, trust me, I understand so, how that works. So, exactly. exactly. So I understand how independent promotions or uh, uh, the radio marketing department goes. So mm -hmm. I understand that you lose money by playing Marcel P. Black over Rick Ross or anybody yeah. else. And because I don't make music for that shit, now I'm all about you know what I'm saying I, I've I've charted on the CMJs three times. Okay. So I'm all about non-commercial radio. Uh, you know what I'm saying like your podcast and yeah. other things. I'm all about that shit. But as far as commercial radio, don't give a damn. I man. don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying. Now if they want to play my shit, cool. Yeah. But I understand that you lose money, so I'm not about to waste your time. You know what I'm saying. But at the end, so at the end, so I'm sorry to, to tell no, you the long story. That's amazing because the funny thing is I run the social media at the, at the radio station I work for, and I see every day. Rappers message them asking them to play music, and I'm just thinking, number one, they, they I can't even respond to them, but number two is just like I wish I could tell them, like, bro, even if we were to read this, like, there's no op, there's no way they're playing your thing because they have set stuff they have to play, and even when they when set like let's say Post Malone is getting played too much, even when they tr have the ability to put in a song, they give you a set list of songs to put instead of that song right there. So it's like it's way more. 
calculated and based upon charts and based upon Absolutely. how much money they can make than the the average rapper would believe. Absolutely. So like and like I said, so for me, like my best thing has always been getting out on the road. So like I sell like and rappers who have never sold nothing don't think this is a lot of money. I put out a project in 2013 called Trap Hop. To date, I've sold over 10,000 copies. But that's a lot when you no, own no, 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 everything. No. So, so, so for the first, I want to say four years of that. So probably up until 2000, maybe 16. I say three and a half years. I was on seven five dollars a pop. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I had about eight thousand in. Now do five times eight thousand. That's a forty thousand. That's that's forty. <laughs> that's, a lick. That's, that's forty grand off of maybe uh maybe maybe I want to say like a. Maybe like a four thousand dollar investment, and okay. then I started selling the CDs for ten. So that's where the other that's where the other two grand came from. Like so, that's that. Uh, Black Collar sold about three grand. Uh, Cry Freedom sold about five grand. I'm still selling that. You know what I'm saying? I dropped seven in 2017. I probably write about two grand. Okay. And I dropped for the culture. You know what I'm saying? Back in March, and I probably bought like eight hundred mm. for ten at ten dollars a pop. You know what I'm saying? Like like I got these real MCs to wrap up a vocal T shirts. I made them in. April, mm-hmm. I sold almost probably about 150 shirts. Oh, twenty five dollars a pop. He giving y'all like all, all over the country. Look, every rapper that's listening to this right now, he is giving y'all the right. blueprint how to make money off your music and your merch. Absolutely, Just absolutely. To so, this. so and so like streaming is cool. Yeah, but it's better to touch that. It's cool. Like, like I'm not you know at the end of the year, like you know they give you like Spotify like here's you know, your check and your no, not not listen. even the check, but it has like the thing like. You know, you have X amount of streams oh, for the year. Yeah. Man, that shit is embarrassing. In every rapper post. Yo, yo, I wanna thank I wanna thank God for you know what I'm saying? I sold I sold seven I had seventeen thousand streams. <laughs> Nigga, you telling me you made twenty one thousand twenty one dollars. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like I, that's embarrassing. I don't even show my that shit is embarrassing. <laughs> that shit is embarrassing. I wanna thank God for nigga. <laughs> Nigga. You spent more at the club. Yeah. On what you made for Spotify. And you don't do no shows. Mm-hmm. You don't. You ain't nobody paying you to rap. Ain't nobody buying shit. Like you advertise to be a struggle rapper. Do you think? <laughs> and, and I and I think the the people you're talking about when you speak on that is the internet culture rappers because there is a, a, a like and this is everywhere. There's rappers who sh- are strictly on the internet. You don't. And then you might not see them until they blow, like in terms of show wise. Of course, they may do local shows here and there, but I don't know if they're getting paid for those shows. And my th- and they probably not. My thing is, do you think that's based upon how this generation is with social media and they don't yeah, know how to I talk mean, to th- people? Like, like, I mean, there's kids now who are in college who have never bought a CD before. Facts. Like my daughter's nine, you know. But just just saying, like, we was we was we was where was we at? No, that's my brother. My brother has never bought a CD. So, Ever. but but not but not even that though. So like, we was in we was in Texas. Uh, what my wife was doing something. I can't remember what she was doing, but we was in Texas. I took my my kids to like like uh, some play place, and we got something to eat afterwards. And uh, a music video came on. It was like an Ariana Grande song that my daughter really likes. Mm-hmm. And like she was like, "Wait, they're showing YouTube in the restaurant." I said, "What you talking about?" <laughs> She had never, she had never like seen a music, video, a music video come on TV before. When I remember, I used to run home from school, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, to watch, to watch. Mm-hmm. I would have, I, cause, cause Rap City came on the same time as Power Rangers, mm. so I would have, I would have, uh, Rap City on my room, 
Power Rangers on in the front room, and I would go back and forth. Yeah. If it was a song I didn't like, I go watch some more Power Rangers. But like, and I was, you know, when I was her age, she's in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. She had never seen a music video come on a regular TV before. That's crazy. You understand what I'm saying? So, and my, 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 so it's like to my, my nephew. He's 12. He told me that old school rap is anything that's not mumble rap. Oh, right. And like I said, so how do you? So like, how do you get on new music? He said, I listen to what goes viral. Now those are younger kids, mm -hmm. but like. There's people who was born in the year 2000 that's in college right now. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's my brother. Like, so, right, right, right. It, that just that trips me out. No, I graduated in 2002. You know what I'm saying? High school, right? So that trips me out. Like, yeah, that messed me up. Whatever. Too. So, but the point I'm trying to make is this is like, absolutely. Like people don't think they think you know that's the way. Look, I have this saying, um, and you, on the song "Hip Hop Is a Weapon," um, I had on it originally, but I kind of changed it. But like, I want the music. I want the mainstream music industry to burn as it pertains to hip hop. Yeah. Because like the music industry as it pertains to rap and hip hop and black people, period, is the first cousin, if not brother, to the uh private prison industry. Mm. Like there has been no other form of media that has monetized the degradation of black people more. Can we save this? Because there's questions that right, I have cool, about cool, this cool, song. Cool, 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 like, cool. I definitely want to save that because that's a topic that I want to get into. Because I, I talk about it on the album. Right, yeah, right. no, 100%. Real quick, before we get into the album, because that's what we're here today for, to talk about your album, Black Messiah. Because I, I I know myself, when I, when I first found out, I had to do my research. So just to get into, for the fans that may be listening to this that's never heard of Marcel P. Black, can we get a little bit of your story, how you got into rap, a little bit of your influences, just the, the I guess you'd say the on the back of the book how they have the little blur 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 gotcha, gotcha, where gotcha, they gotcha. tell people what the book gonna be about. Just give us a little bit of your career and which um, how you got here. So I first got into hip hop. So first of all, my my father, if you listen to music, it's all of my music. My father's a gospel musician, so I grew up in the church. My father was the first person who I seen create art, and like everybody in my family sings. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So like I would watch him sit at the edge of his bed and scribble some stuff down on his notepad and then he'd get his guitar and play and okay. he'd go down to the den to create music then he'd put it out and perform it. So that's who I am. You know, and like, just like how I tour now. It makes sense why you say no vocals on your rap stuff because you come from real music. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that and just come from, yeah, that and I just come from the culture, right? Yeah. But, uh, but like, so just like how I'm Every other weekend I'm on the road now, you know, my daddy wouldn't do it 22 states in a year. But like, you know, being a gospel musician, every Sunday, every Friday, every Wednesday, or every other, at least twice a month, we were going somewhere my father was singing. Okay. So it's not natural for me to be home on the weekends because that's how I grew up, right? Um, when I was five years old, I used to go out to the country in a small town in southern Oklahoma called Springer, population about 400 people, you know what I'm saying? I had an older cousin, Mickey, who was a diehard hip-hop head, and he was swollen like LL Cool J. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, I would go out to his house. It's like in the eighties, right? I would go out to his house, and I saw the cause I saw the vinyl for, uh, um, I think it's Walking with the Panther or whatever. And I was like, "That's Mickey, right?" And he was like, "You know." So they started playing me the vinyl, and the only sound that wasn't really too profane was "I'm Bad." Mm. So when I'm five years old, they taught me the words to "I'm Bad" by LL Cool J. Okay, right? And I just cause I thought it was him, and like they kind of ran with the joke or whatever. And, I, and so every time I would go out there, like, you know, we in the middle of the country in southern Oklahoma, but they were like hip-hop heads. Like, like in the culture, I'm talking about, like, imagine, you know, in the late 80s, southern Oklahoma, I'm talking about red Adidas tracks, who can't go hats, shell toes. <laughs> Real. Where, where there's fucking houses, where there's fucking horses and cows and shit outside, right? I wonder how far they would have to drive to get those CDs. Oh, shit. 
I'm trying to think, did it have, it was all cassettes. I'm trying to think, who sold tapes back then? I don't even know. Would it, I don't think Walmart would have sold. No, not, not, yeah. not, not, no, I don't, they probably, well, we had some family on the East Coast, I know, and people out in California. Oh, to send them. Yeah, that, that would send us music. Well, I know with me, I don't know about them, but with me. I don't know where they was getting shit from, honestly. <laughs> but, but like, you know, but you know, you had your own TV raps. Oh, true, true, true. You know true, what I'm saying? True, but like, true. they were like diehard hip hop heads. And so they just kind of put me on. Um, I had an older cousin. So like how I kind of got into the conscious rap, I had an older cousin who was a 5%er. You know what I'm saying? He's about four years ahead of me. So when I was a freshman in high school, he was a freshman in college. And he kind of, he, he went to Oklahoma State University and, uh, he you know, he kind of came to the knowledge and like. It was it was during the time where I was kind of getting into stuff I wasn't supposed to be getting into. Mm-hmm. You know, you ninth grade, you kind of smelling yourself. I was a bigger kid, you know what I'm saying. And so, one Christmas he came home, he gave me a uh, Dead Press, Let's Get Free. Uh, I want to say Brand Nubian Foundation, uh, some rules from Tyler Quali and some Common, and just you know, I, I love rap music, mm-hmm. I love hip hop, but at that point, it was just kind of whatever was on, whatever was hot was what I was listening to. You know, this is the so I started high school in '98. So we talking about. Rough Riders, Cash Money, Rockefeller, yeah, you know, Outkast, but like, you know, and that, which is all great music, mm-hmm. but like, I remember like being at home and playing NBA 2K or live probably at the time. This is 90. Yeah, no, that was definitely yeah, the live. Yeah, it's live, years. right? It was, this is the live before 2K really popped off. I remember playing and listening to uh, Dead Prez, you know, and like first time listening to it, a song called Day Schools, say, the hook, the hook is, Day Schools don't teach us shit. We're trying to get freedom. We need all we can get. So my high school teachers could suck my dick telling me white man's lies, straight bullshit. And that was the hardest shit I ever heard in my life. Mm. And like, and so I would be like, yo, what the, f-? and like, I, you know, I'm listening to like all the violent ass rap. Yeah. But I had never heard nothing that damn radical before. Like and paid attention, because you know, like, because of the year I was born in, like, Public Enemy kind of missed me. Mm, okay. Like, public, you talking about like, I was born in 83, Public Enemy came out in 87. So of course I don't understand that shit, right? Yeah, you, so I always tell people like you got gangster rap, bro. like like I, I always tell myself like Dead Press is my public enemy. Oh okay. Or like I tell people like the Justice League is my native tongues, mm-hmm. like so tribe like Little Brothers my tribe, you know what I'm saying? Because of the time I came up in, so just listening to that music and like he would be like, so I had questions about like who is Ivan Van Sertim who is Khalil Muhammad, who is tell me more about Farrakhan. So he gave me books, mm-hmm. so I had the books to complement what I was learning from hip hop. Cause neither of my parents are like, like militant people. They great people. They ain't Uncle Tom's by no means. Yeah. But they're not like radical militant people. It was like conscious hip hop via my older cousin. So Mickey taught me the love of the culture. You know what I'm saying? When I was a, a young boy, and as I became a teenager, Jamal, you know what I'm saying, taught me the love and importance of blackness and, and, and like that type of content. And then like with my father being a gospel rapper, you know what I'm saying, that kind of instilled the spirituality in it. Okay. So that's what you get. You get culture, you get blackness, and you get God. We listen to Marcel P. Black or whatever. Um, I signed my first deal when I was 19 years old to a group called Redland. To a, a we had a group slash label called uh, Redland Entertainment. You know, the group was called the Redland. That didn't work out. Um, I got out my first deal at 23. Um, that same summer I went intern for Russell Simmons. At the, I was wait, how was that? So I I, I interned for the um, Hip Hop Summer Action Network. I actually never met uh. Russell Simmons, but I was in the office with uh, Valicia Butterfield. Her father's like a politician mm. in North Carolina. She was, she was known in the industry because, I mean, don't get it twisted. She's an incredible, like, like activist and, like, um, just woman in the industry. Mm. But at the time, she was known because she was engaged to the game. Oh, okay. Right? And uh, Dr. Benjamin Chavis Muhammad. Yeah. Have you have you seen uh you seen Belly right yeah 
the the, the preacher guy at the end who no, was yeah, assassinated. And let me tell you that. Hey, shout out to Doctor Ben. That dude real. Yeah. Like like he he's he's super cool. He's super chill. Like I had met him. I had met him when uh, Barack Obama came to speak at Southern. And this is this is right when I was about getting ready to like this is right before I was gonna go do the internship out there. I said, "Hey, Doctor Ben, I'm gonna be kind of out there working with you." He's, "I'm gonna be looking forward to you." When I actually got to New York, he remembered me. Oh, cool! And like cool. we were having like really good conversations. So, um, real quick, I had a great time. I was living in Harlem, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and working in Manhattan. You know what I'm saying. I was I was on the same floor as uh, Sean John and Rockaway. So I would see different people coming up and down. Um, I was answering phones and like. Just whatever, working at desk, but yeah. just bad, but just having that experience because I'm a country boy from Oklahoma, right? No, I bet that living changed. in Baton Rouge, so it was huge for me. Yeah. But the time, but as far as Russell Simmons, he definitely cussed me out. Um, Run's house was on at the time, and I used to, I used to handle people. I'd be like, man, he ain't gonna play with me. <laughs> he ain't fuck with no niggas from the south, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So one day we was on a conference call, and like one thing about Russell, because Russ, like he's a genius, mm-hmm. but he snorted a lot of coke when that shit was great. <laughs> And I want to say he's, I want to say he might be like straight edge now, but like between being like a brilliant person, mm-hmm. an asshole, and, and a former cokehead, he talks in like these fucking weird ass circles. So it'd be like, so he gets on the phone and like it's all like nonlinear. He'd be like, yeah, make sure you call Kamara because we're trying to um, uh, make sure we we get the right house when we go to the Hamptons. And you know Hampton University's band is great, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we need to get a band aid to cover what's going on in Darfur. It, 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 it help it help the kids with AIDS because when we do this AIDS benefit in Chicago, you know what I'm saying? We want to make sure that Michael Jordan pulls up from the free throw line. It, like that's how he talks. In bar. And so it's so like so my country ass at the time, I had never I had experienced nothing like that. But that, no, I but, you. but that, but like I had never used a Mac before. Mm. So I gotta take notes. And I asked him to repeat himself. I said, excuse me, Russ. Could could you could, excuse me, Simmons, could you say that again? He's like, yo, who the fuck is telling me to repeat myself? He's like, yo, who the fuck is like, yo, what the fuck is going on? He was like, yo, he was like, who, what kind of bummer is like, yo, and everybody's laughing. I'm like, man, hold up. This little short ass nigga in my mind, I'm yeah. like, well, damn, I'm actually like I told myself if you play with me, I'm going platinum. Yeah. But I'm actually, you know, I'm just like, I'm shocked that it really happened. And I said, like, no, 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 this is Marcel. You know what I'm saying? He's a college student from Louisiana. This is his first time doing this. But I said, like, okay, okay, okay. Oh, you know, I apologize, man. He's like, well, you can go to school, Southern University. Okay, yeah, that's a good school. But don't fuck up anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but yeah, but um, yeah, that's so that, that that was that was a great situation, man. I got to um I got to meet like Moni Love. Ooh. Because um, because Valicia was also doing like 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 a women's hip hop initiative as part of Hip Hop Summer Nation Network. And so like a lot of like artists would come up there. So like I got I got to talk to Moni Love on the phone and like chop it up for a couple minutes, or whatever. She her voice is as pretty as her face is. Like it's like you talking to an angel. I got to talk to Ludacris, you know what I'm saying, on the phone. Fire. Took some notes and I was like, yo, and he was like, you know. So it, it, it was cool, man. It was a really it was a really good experience, man. Like, like uh Dr. Ben had this dude named Brother Leo, because you know, he was Dr. Ben's part of Nation of Islam, and this dude is Shaq size. Right? Yeah. And like like I would see him. And like he would like just give you a strong handshake. He had these long nails. He would like shake my hand and his fingernails would scratch me right here. Ooh. Y'all can't see. Y'all can't see. But like that's his forearm. Like <laughs> in, in the middle of my forearm. You know what I'm saying? So like like in, but yeah, so like it was a really, really great time, man. No, I could um, be- I could believe you. Like it was so so it was cool, but like so I did that and I quit rap. Okay. Like I, after after I left after I left my group. I could believe that though. Like getting you're in college. You get to the you're interning for the Action Network with Russ, under Russell Simmons. I could believe why you could quit rapping. Well, well, it, it was it was that, but at the same time, so like, so 
I, I was so I was I was with my group and my label, and one of the guys in my group was my childhood friend, mm. and we were young. The shit just went bad. Yeah, no, and to I mean, this day we good, but we not good. Okay, you know what I'm saying? And so like, and this is 13 years. No, it was two, 12 years ago at this point, and it still ain't 100 percent right. Yeah. But like it, you know. But this guy was the person who made the beats. Like we started rapping together in high school, right? Okay, he made the beats. You know what I'm saying? He could sing. He was the best rapper at the time. It was his idea. So, like, I couldn't really find myself as, as, as a solo artist. So, I put my first project out. So, I was like, you know what? I got these songs. Fuck, I'm going to put something out. I put my first solo project out in 2008. I quit rap again. Started DJing. You know okay. what I'm saying? And, like, I actually was in, like, like I started I started DJing. And, like, I got, like, a like local acclaim before I did. I got more local acclaim as a DJ. I was DJ hard work. Then I had everything I had done as a rapper at the time. It's interesting that you were a DJ because being that what you feel about rap and how you feel about mainstream rap, was it hard for you to play the... No, because I was an underground hip-hop-ass DJ. Oh, okay. I'm a... Bro, like, I, I, I literally live culture of everything. Really? Now, of course, like, you know, I don't get a twist. I like bounce music. I like jig music. I like the party. You know, I was in college during the crunk era. You know what I'm saying? The stat music era. So, like, I like the party. Like, I go to strip clubs and I like I like Future. I like Ray Shrimmer or yeah. whoever's popping at the time. Yo, got it. Young Dolph or whatever, but like what I make, like I like everything. Like right now, I've been going back and forth between Max O Cream and Little Brother. Oh, I fuck with Max O Cream. Yeah, Max O Cream. He, he, he's like, like, like my, my friend said it the best of Max O Cream. It's like he's a really, he's not a great rapper, but he's a really good writer. So he's that like when all the MCs is in the room, he's that dude like kind of right, you know, they spitting. Yeah, he, he's like writing some shit. And you be like, man, let me hear what you got, bro. And he tell you some shit like whatever. So, but um, so I was DJing or whatever, and then I had my first child. Well, I found out I was having my first child. So like, we moved to a we moved to a, a bigger place, and my music room became my child's room. Okay. So I didn't have space to really Get practice you. DJing anymore. Yeah. And around the same time, I was working for a company, and like the company's old DJ came back, and he was way better than me. So like, you know what, fuck, you can have all my DJ gigs if you be my tour DJ. Mm. So 2010, I dropped my my second EP, and I had two songs that got on the radio in New Orleans. I had Jigga City Blues and By Any Means, and like I went from just kind of just being another nigga who rap, put music on MySpace and Facebook to not to like now I'm getting called for shows, blah blah blah, and I never stopped. I was 27 years old nine years ago, and I never stopped, bro. Like every year, it's just been about going, 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 and it's been a blessing, man. Like consistency. And I was about to just consistent, like we talked about earlier, man. Just doing it, like. Like just you know, and let's talk about that. Like, cause that was an off-air conversation, but I think it's real important for the people who are creative to listen to this. I think if your story teaches people anything, it's about never giving up and being consistent. Right. And what does that consistency mean? I want to get it from your perspective, cause I've, I I talk about this, but consistency to you, just explain a little bit what you mean by when you say consistency. First of all, I love hip hop. Um, I never. It's weird for me to say this, man. I want to say in high school, come so, so growing up in Southern Oklahoma, like growing up in the church in a religious family, like being a rapper, when my father was a gospel singer, really wasn't the best. It wasn't frowned upon, but it's kind of something I kept in secret. Yeah, no, I feel you. Like, nigga, you from all Oklahoma? What you talk about being a rapper, nigga? Go get your ass a job at the plant. <laughs> you know, what you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. Go, go, go out to work in Unirol or whatever. So, um, I remember being a senior in high school and. Me actually having the courage to say out loud I want to be a rapper. And my teacher, Mona, Mona Cunningham, we was in Home Ec. She was cool, but she was like, 
well, I think you should be English. You should major in English because you cause you speak so well. I was just like, what will that do? <laughs> yeah. Mona, you mother... Mona, cool. I ain't got a problem with Mona, but I remember thinking about that shit. But, like, honestly, I was too fat to break dance. I can't draw for shit. I'm with you on that. And being in Southern Oklahoma, while I had access to every instrument I could possibly think of, when my father's a gospel musician, drums, keyboard, guitars, whatever, I, I marched in the band, I played trombone. I didn't have access to turntables. And rap and I used to write poetry and I love rapping. So hip hop rap MCing was the only thing I could actually do. Do yeah, create. And honestly, Lynn, I just want to be a part of the culture. I just want to I love the I love the culture of hip hop so much. I feel like it has a like it has the biggest upside in terms of a transformative power to change the world. Yeah, I know. And I so agree. for me, for me, my urge to like like when I stopped rapping, I could not do something, so I had to DJ. Right? I quit rap twice. I put my first project out. I quit rap, and I quit rap again. And yeah. then my my second project dropped. And so honestly, my consistency comes from wanting to be a part of the culture, and one and, and, and not and, and not selfishly either, not one sided. Yeah, I want to be able to rap, and I want to be able to make the art and say something to somebody else. But I want to give back to the culture. Yeah, like I I I want to because when I was coming up, like. And young guys have no idea the fight it took being an underground, independent, conscious rapper in Baton Rouge in the heart of Jig City. I could believe it. Like, 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 I'm talking about Sam I Am, Mookie, that um, Down Bad, like, I'm talking about, like, when 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 the pills was good. <laughs> like, when, when they were still getting the pills from Plano. The, <laughs> like, the real Jigs, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, being, doing that type of hip hop. In a city that's not known for that shit at all. Yeah, still, like, it's I, still I, hard to be. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. Well, right now it's probably better than ever. It's still we still growing, but like, and largely because of the work I've done in Baton Rouge. But I wanted to be a part of the culture, and I wanted to make the music that I make. And I always, always understood that I don't have the luxury because don't don't get it twisted. Even though you have your J. Coles and your Kendrick Lamars who have messages in the music or your Killer Mics, which I really do benefit from. Being a conscious rapper ain't never been sexy. Maybe in the late 80s and I want to say like 2003 to 2005, Quali and Common had their big runs and most Def had their runs. But it's never been like, it's being a conscious underground artist has always been the least popular thing to do. Yeah. But I knew I had to outwork everybody to keep doing what I want to do because I'm my only child. And like, I love to help other people, but I ain't going to do what the fuck I want to do at the end of the day. Yeah. No. On my terms, no other people's terms. So if I, if I, if I got to do more shows or sell more CDs or pass out more flies. If I got to put out more projects, if I got to do whatever I got to do to do what I want to do at the level I want to, I'm willing to put in that much more work on the front end and just doing that consistently. Yeah. Like just working and busting my ass consistently, understanding that like there's always a level that I have not reached yet. And like being a traveling artist and touring the whole country, I understand that there's so much more I could be doing. So like, for instance, like, the biggest album I've had was Cry Freedom that came out 2016, right? I mean, I was on the front page of The Advocate because, unfortunately, it came out a couple weeks after Alton Sterling died. Mm. And, like, I have been a conscious rapper my whole career. Yeah. Finally, it took this tragedy for people in Baton Rouge to understand what, you were say what yeah. I was saying. It, and, like, the song Cry Freedom almost became, like, the unofficial, like, song of that summer yeah. in terms of... The protests and things going on. And everything that was happening. Right. And so, like, that was, a, I mean, I hate that the circumstance had to happen, but just just to be honest, that was a great year for me. That year, I only performed in eight states in the whole year. 
Real. Three years later, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've already done 22 states in not, in under in under nine months. That's so 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 the point I'm trying to make is this: like even though I had a really good year, sold a lot of copies, you know what I'm saying? Whatever did locally, I hadn't really embarked nationally. I was really good in the region, but nationally, right? Yeah. But it's just like okay, working my see, I do everything based off of goals, right? And so it's like if I wanted so. I would work my plan until I accomplish a goal yeah. and then move next. And every single thing. So I always look at it like this. If I plan to run 100 miles, right, and I can only physically run 75, that whole time I'm getting to 75, I'm, it, it might divert me to the side, but I'm looking for ways that can help me get the extra 25. Hurt? Yep. No, I feel you. It's like a video game. Like when, when people are playing these RPGs, they're trying to do quote unquote these grinds where you gotta battle all these little minutia characters until you can get your level to get to that boss. Right, right. But but but, but even the things that you cause sometimes you do you do the side missions and you power up. Yeah. But when you come back to your main mission. You better than you were when you were just doing the main no, Right. And so most niggas don't never get to the 75 because they don't try. Or they quit when they get tired at 15. Fat big facts. Consistency. Yep. So for me, consist I want to be like I've done I've done every single major city in, in, in America except for LA. Okay, so you're right? trying to get to LA. That's my last thing, and then it's overseas. Yeah. Right? And I'm going to do it. It and might look, not be. Overseas, you would kill overseas. Bruh, Bruh, absolutely. Like, that's what. Okay. You want to talk about. I know hip hop, and hip hop will always be, and this is something that this will be a great transition in the album. Hip hop will always be something that's fundamentally black, and that was started from black culture in Harlem, from black uh, issues into. Give the oppressed a voice. But you see the way people overseas has really embraced what was started in the 80s and 90s. It's crazy. Like, that's where people who are conscious rappers can actually still, I guess, experience that culture. Well, not, I wouldn't say experience that culture, but experience the love for the culture that was birthed here. Because here, we love it, but we don't love it as much as the people do overseas. You know what's, you know what's funny about this shit, bro? And this kind of goes into what the other song we're going to get into later. It's like, as an underground conscious rapper, I see less black people in my shows. I could believe it. I mean, traditionally, the biggest consumer base for rap music has always been white males. Like, even, you would think the whole taps would fuck with my shit. They don't come out to my shit. That's correct. And they don't invite me to their events. I'm, the, I'm always, I'm very rarely is there another conscious rapper on the bill, Right. I travel all across the country from Indiana to New England to the Bay Area to Minnesota, Midwest, whatever. But you in Se- I saw you in Seattle, too. I haven't been out there yet. Oh, okay. What is I, I haven't been out there yet. That's okay. that's next. But, like, um, furthest west I've been is uh, Bay Area or whatever. But the biggest, the, I, don't, I rarely see people like myself or even rap like myself. And it taught me that I don't, you know, I, I believe there are some racist people. Who listen to rap? Yeah, fair. but I feel like in hip hop, if you're a white person, like there's no room for racism in hip hop. Yeah, right. Hip hop is 100 percent an extension of African tradition, 100 percent an extension of what we did when we was enslaved on the plantations, 100 percent a black music and African music. It was started by Caribbean, Af- you know, Caribbean immigrants. You know, what I'm saying Jamaican, Puerto Ricans, blah blah blah, African people, right? Yeah, who just ha- might speak a little language and their skin color a little different, right? Like you could be Dominican, right? Yeah, no, yeah. Some, if, if you spoke Spanish, if you spoke Spanish, somebody will call you Poppy. 
right? Yep. So, but we, just, we still African, right? Yeah. You know, we Creole, we, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's yeah, Louisiana. It's it's, yeah. it's, exactly. So, um, I understand that. And most people who who like are really into the culture, if you agree with everything I say or what a dead press says, you have some level of respect for black people. If nothing else, to give them space to speak their shit because yep. you understand the history and the culture, right? So, while I, I unabashedly say that hip-hop is a black art form, it's a culture that can be celebrated by everybody as long as you respect the culture. Yeah. So, ironically, I've been on this mission, and I failed, but one of my things in the back of my mind is to bring hip-hop back to black people. Mm. Because we started this culture, white folks monetized it, sold it to other white kids, and they sold them, and this is, I'm trying not to go off of too much, too many tangents. Like the first form of pop culture were minstrel shows. Mm-hmm. Black people degrading themselves. Yeah. White people putting themselves in blackface. Yep. Right? To, you know what I'm saying? To 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 mock black people, but it was really good entertainment. The only way a black person could get a job, if you was an entertainer, black is me putting blackface on. Yeah. Right? So it was degrading and shit like that, but it was a good time. Right? So black white people in America have always enjoyed black art. You know what I'm saying? And they really get off when it's degrading black people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, but a lot of people, like, if you go to the hardest hood here in Lafayette, on the north side, right? Mm-hmm. If you go to out there in Karen Crow where they thugging it, right? <laughs> Them niggas don't give a fuck about no DJing or no breakdancing. No, not at all, man. But when I go to the Midwest, them white folks live and die by that shit. Damn. The culture. So for me, like, as a black conscious artist, like, uh, Open Mike Eagle had a record where he said, um, I'm trying to reach black kids in a room full of white folks, right? So that's what I run into, right? And um, I'm trying to tie it back in. So yeah, so in terms of overseas, it's just like, they're not, so it's not so much where the record labels is trying to push, it, it don't get it twisted, like what they do know of black people is, you know what I'm saying, you know, a lot of the stereotypes what they see on TV or whatever, yeah. right? As far as American blacks. But at the same time, it's not so much of a concentrated push to only sell this type of thing. And they'll just they'll just push with they'll just listen to what they like. Yeah. And like like we could talk about like if we get into it, cause a, a big portion of this album deals with uh the feds and US intelligence agencies. Oh well let's save on all that. And how yeah. and, 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 and how that affects black people. Mm-hmm. Right? Like whatever. But if you do your research, you'll see how like a lot of these labels have stocks in private prisons, and a lot of these record labels were fronts and f- funded by the FBI and the CIA. Hmm. So it all kind of goes in together. Yeah. Like so, it's very deliberate that that people outside of America hear these things, whatever, as opposed to what we hear in America. Mm, that makes a lot of sense, and that's funny because I do ask a question about that. Let's get into the album, Black Messiah. I want to start at the intro. The intro stated it was a point, there was a point of the career where it's time to focus on the youth. Like, that was, like, how the song started. Is that basically saying how you feel? Yeah, man, because I've always had themes of the Black Messiah or just kind of, like, you know, you call it the anti-hero or whatever, but, like, I love Bunchy Carter and Fred Hampton, like, or just, you know, these these, these people who were, like, head first in the streets. I'm watching the, I'm watching the um, Godfather of Harlem right now. And so a good portion of it deals with, tells a story of how when Malcolm X used to, you know, he was good friends with Bumpy Johnson mm-hmm. and how like 
Bumpy Johnson used the Nation of Islam to like to like get like the Italian mob out of the get they dope about the neighborhood. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, but he but Malcolm X still knew Bumpy Johnson was selling dope. And but like a lot of the stuff was like Malcolm X got Bumpy Johnson's daughter off of dope. But Bumpy Johnson so so I've always kind of imagined myself as like a a guy who has street connections, who comes from the street. That's the character of Marcel P. Black, you know what I'm saying? Cause that that's a part of my life too. Like yeah. being young and being influenced by people I should have been influenced by. But like as youth development worker, I'm in. I I didn't I didn't pull rap. I didn't pull young guys out the trap house. I didn't pull. I didn't took the stand to get make sure my people my my youngest and get time. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, this album isn't about me being Bunchy Carter. It's not about me being Malcolm X. It's about me trying to find. The next Malcolm X. Yeah, okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm trying to. You. I'm. It's about me trying to find that Detroit Red to bring him into that right, change ability. Right, right. One hundred percent. This is interesting because I talked about this. I've been talking about this with my friends, but before I get into it, well, no, no, yeah, I've been talking about this with my friends, and Black Messiah reminded me of a great term paper or a thesis uh, paper in the sense of you set all your themes in the beginning. You give people kind of your your ideas in the beginning about all of it about gang stop and we're coming together to take over our neighborhood we can finally see freedom and that those tones and themes are set throughout the album and they're expounded on as we go through the album but my question to you is in terms of that freedom we're discussing about is that freedom financial freedom because in my opinion i believe the only real freedom for black people and just humans in general in the world we're set up in in america is financial freedom so i just want to know is that the freedom you're talking about? And if not, what is freedom to you? First of all, I'm so happy that you got it. Oh, I, I do my research, So, so I, I got my degree in history, so that's how I think, right? I, I, I think about, you know, writing papers and setting them up like that, right? I used so to I, be a political I, science major. I, I really appreciate that. Um, I don't know what freedom is. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think people in the, I don't think African people, like African America is a colony, right? Mm-hmm. They exploit our talents for money. It don't really put shit back into it, right? So I don't think... I think... Don't get it twisted. I think until we can be wealthy, we can be rich, but until we own every single thing that we do mm-hmm. and we ain't got to answer to no white folks at all, that's that's, that's, that's when... Cool. So, but it's so, it's so... You can say financially, but if you still think that there's a white Jesus and a white man, and that's your God. Or if 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 you if you are if you are um a, you know a slave to that dollar bill, if somebody if, if somebody can take something away from you at any moment and you can't do shit or defend yourself, you'll never be free. free. Like as black as I am, I live in a house in a black neighborhood owned by a white man. When I pay my gas, I'm paying, you know what I'm saying, I'm paying something to Exxon. There is no black owned cars if it's American made. It's you know what I'm saying? Black owned grocery stores. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, so I feel like I think money is one thing because you got billionaires. Are they free? Like people can talk about Jay Z all you want to with this NFL shit, right? They're cutting him the check. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They're cutting him the check. And we see what they did with the bag. They gave it to a goddamn a white woman who cut niggas' dress off of Chicago who was an All Lives Matter Trump supporter, right? Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? So, like, so for me, it's like you can have money just that in the third. But ownership and I guess freedom to me is freedom to me is the power to one million percent control your own destiny. 
with no interference. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think a lot of white people think that, like, you know, when we talk about revolution, blah, 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 it's not in us as black people to, like, subjugate another human being, right? No, that's that's no. some European shit. <laughs> we just want white folks to leave us the fuck alone. Leave me be. Yeah. I'm not trying, I'm not even trying to get my lick back, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just leave me the fuck, leave me alone. Let me control my destiny. Let me control my fucking destiny, period. Like, so, so, is Jay-Z really free? If he has billions of dollars, but in his hometown, they still stopping the frisk and a lack of people up. Or if 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 he can still get pulled over, if if his nephew can still go to jail for some bullshit, you understand what I'm saying? No, I feel you. That's, so like, that's a great point. If, if somebody else can still determine what you do, even if you're a billionaire, Oprah still get discriminated. Can't even go to a fucking store overseas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like so, at the end of the day, like I don't think we'll ever know. Like you know, I don't think, I don't think. Like, uh, you know, the, the the theme with Black Messiah is, you know what I'm saying, trying to find heaven on earth. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you know, um, we're trying to find a heaven on earth and hell is what you go through to get there. Right? And so we still, I don't know, we might not see that until we get to the afterlife or whatever. So, um, absolutely, I'm about 100% black ownership, black business, black all black everything or whatever. But myself, I don't got it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it could be about finances, it could be about whatever, but if like if, if you could take something away from me without you know what I'm saying, yeah. then I then I then you still have power over me. I feel and it's funny you say that about just how we buy because I remember Killer Mike had this show where he yep. would he tried to buy only black for like I believe it was th it was like 72 hours or something like that, maybe 48. It might have even been a week. I don't I the, the the amount of time is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I was talking about. But uh, he the one day he couldn't eat because he they he couldn't find many. If it wasn't a black owned restaurant, he couldn't find any grocery stores to cook. He had to take his bike because, like you said, there's no black owned cars. So it just shows how little we own in the marketplace. Like, yeah, we may own clothes. Yeah, we may own and even the clothes stuff. If if it's not independent, then it's still funded by non us. So it, I I definitely understand where you're coming from in that is a very important thing to say as we proceed into the to the album. We get to track two, God's Trombone. You touch on J. Edgar Hoover stating for that America's best interest is not to limit us from finding a black messiah or letting us not develop one in the sense of, so do you think that is still America's goal to this day? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that's, I mean, that's the crux of the album, man. It's the crux of the album. Um, you know what I'm saying? To, prep, to paraphrase or whatever, you know what I'm saying? One of the points of Quantel Pro was to um, separate the young black men from the revolution in hopes of preventing the next black messiah, right? They do it with hip-hop. They do it with private prison system. They do it with uh, putting dope up in the hoods. They do it with, you know what I'm saying? All these different things, what have you. And um, it's, the, it's the same thing. Like, you can't, you can't tell me, you can't tell me that goddamn 6 9 ain't a fan. I've been saying that off the flap. Wait, and that's funny because I can't. I've been, you can't tell can we, me. Can we wait for t track five to get into that? Because sure. I actually have a question about that based upon sure. track five. But yeah, but yeah, absolutely, man. Like, I mean, Jagger Hoover dead, but you still got the feds. You still got yeah. the, the hip hop clientele pro. You still have the blueprint. He said, you, 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 you still have like U.S. intelligence agencies who are dead set on disrupting any type of movement that can give people without power power. Absolutely, hundred percent. 100%. That, and you can see that, man, and that's funny that you said about 6 9 because we'll get into that in track five because I definitely think that that is a 
great example of that. But you're right, like there's no way, like there's no way they let Huey P. Newton live after with Black Panthers won a gang. But now, um, if you ask any young black kid who just went into like a public school or people who don't necessarily do their history, a white person, oh, they think Black Panthers are the gang, like 100. percent And it's like, if like you, people always erroneously compare the Black Panther to KKK. Facts, and I I hate when they do that because it's like. The complete opposite. It wasn't like the, the Black Panthers out there lynching people and trying to kill white people. All they were trying to do was get drugs out of their hood and make sure their communities were safe. Feed, feed kids breakfast. Facts. 100%. Let's get into... Uh, so that's, that's all I really had on track two. Uh, you had a feature on track two. Lee Horton. Talk to me about why... He's from, he's from Columbus, Columbus, Mississippi. Uh, he moved to Atlanta. He's incredible. He's like... D. Horton says he's the greatest rapper on the planet. I love him for it. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but like God's trombone is like so that song right there. That's probably one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Like I don't know if you saw it, but like there was a clip of a young dude playing trombone. Like they was practicing for like a trombone fanfare in the band room. Okay. And like I can show you the video when we get offline. But he's playing it and like used to rhyme, but like we were performing. Sometimes man, God just take over, right? <laughs> and, 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 and and you just, and like if you watch the video, like he's playing his soul out. And everybody in the crowd is going crazy. Nah. Like everybody's like, yeah, like it's like church, right? And like, so I want to say he's in college now, somewhere in South Carolina. But that sample is him. Like I, I ripped it from I ripped it from Facebook, mm-hmm. and I was trying to send it to several different producers. You know what I'm saying? And my guy Jay Philly who produced the track, my, one of my kinfolk, he's from Chicago. He 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 we we have like a lot of music together, like at least over probably forty tracks. You know what I'm saying? And we have enough to like do like a serious greatest hit situation. But I look at my email and I see a song called Trombone Short. I already knew what it was. Mm. And so another thing too, you know, I was in a, a thing called Protein when I was in middle school and with my godmother, Mary Johnson, the call of the Fox, and she would teach us how to like do these uh like public speaking and like different speeches or whatever. Okay. And when I was seventh grade, I used to go to different speech and debate contest and be at different churches and preach the prodigal son sermon or whatever. And it was from the book of James Weather Johnson called God's Trombone. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And so like when me used to be able to play trombone and things that whatever. Just... So like and like that song is important to me because like just like you said, the song Black Messiah lays out I talk about everything I'm gonna talk about in the whole album in the first two songs, right? Yeah you do. But like God's Trombone because the other underlying theme of the album is me being a black man who grew up in a Christian church and it kind of not necessarily kind of expanding out from black Christianity, but it's like it's really focusing our relationship with what God is, what heaven is for black people, right? And so that's the first song I really question it. Like, okay. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, while, while I kind of really get into depth, it's like, you know, breaking it down. Like, like I had this, I was talking to my friend. And I kind of asked him this question. I was just like, you know, I've studied Islam. I've studied uh, 5% of stuff. I've studied comedic religion. And I understand that Christianity, as we call it, you know what I'm saying, you know, it, it comes from an African spiritual system, right? So it's stuff that black people, African people created, right? Mm-hmm. But it was taking a remix and giving it to us via slavery. So a lot of my friends who are atheists, 5% Muslims or whatever, when they talk about religion, most people talk about, you know, what Christians have done. But they're talking about what white people have done. And so what I realized is what a lot of people don't like about Christianity is what white people did with it. Mm. They're not talking about what the people on the mother continent 
It did what it did. Of, uh, you know, because even the word Africa is a European word. You know, named after Leo, uh, an Italian philosopher named Leo Africanus, okay. right? The, that, the, the, the name of the continent is Alcabulon, right? So we're not talking about how the people from Alcabulon ain't, ain't, ain't treat people like shadow, right? If you go back to the first ever Christian church in Ethiopia, it ain't got none of that bullshit. You know, everybody's African on the pictures, on the walls. Yeah. That's still standing in there, right? So, like, so... We talking. We're talking about what white people have done with the shit, with the crusades and Christianity. We talk about with slavery and blah 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 blah, whatever. So that song, God's Trombone, is the first song where I actually kind of break. So, so I really getting into that or whatever, mm -hmm. and it's like really powerful. And then like another thing, I pride myself on that record because how we was talking about it's like as far as me embracing being the conscious rapper, right? Mm -hmm. I was always a conscious rapper. But then my, the, the, the king of the conscious rappers, Tyler Quali, said I'm not a conscious rapper. So I tried to say I'm not a conscious rapper. But then I was like, you know what? Ain't no shame in this shit. Yeah, no, you're conscious. It's an honorable thing to do. But then I tried to call myself a, a non-traditional conscious rapper. But that shit is too long to say. So right? It's all like, you know what? I define what conscious rap is. And so your average boom bap conscious rapper is not going to make a record with guys trombone over that type of production and use that type of vocal deflection and flow, whatever, right? Yeah. And... That beat has like elements of trap in it, right? Yeah, it does. Your average trap rapper is not going to have the type of content. So that's what makes me special as a conscious rapper. And that's what like, you know, so I really like that. Because it's, it's like, I, I I approach my my hip hop, my, my being an MC, less as a poet and more as a preacher. Okay. So like, I'm not about to hit you with a whole bunch of big words, but I'm hit you with a lot of big concepts. And then, but give it to them in layman's terms so they can get it. Now, I, I, get, I get where you're coming from. And I think, that trap sound influence on that, that's got to be from you getting that Southern flavor because if you was from the East Coast, that'd never be in there. And I well, think you know, well, all, these New, all them New York dudes try to sound like us anyway. Oh, yeah. But, like, but I, mean, I mean, to me, like I said, I'm a fan of music first. So like, as as a conscious rapper, underground conscious rapper, I can't afford to have whack beats. Facts. My shit got to ring off. And that's something I know, I wanted to say about this project. Every beat, when I turned it on, I was like, yo, this is, this is, even if, like, even if you're someone who, might not get the meaning on the first listen. When you listen through, it'll be like it's it's pleasing to the ear. And and with that said, shout out to my kids. They yeah. ain't all the album. Fire. Fire. They add out of it's so it's, it's so it's fourteen songs. You know, twelve two of them don't have beats to them. So twelve of the beats, my kids picked about eight of them. I ride around in a rap dad minivan, <laughs> and you let them. Listen. And I play beats, and if they like it, it go. My daughter has the best ear. Mila, is it a bop? It's a bop. She 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 be. Right. If, if, she, if, she, if, she, if she like if she like the beat, then we go with it. If they like it, you know what I'm saying? If if if, if the beat They're is, the best people to tell you. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because like, you know, if I can get if it like I said, content is everything. And I'm always a subs of a style guy. But I like good music. Especially now I'm older, right? Yeah. Like I, I want something that sounds good. If if the if the content is whatever what I personally identify with or not, if it sounds good and I can appreciate the talent behind it, then I'm a, I'm a rock with it, right? Yeah. And so Regardless, if you if 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 you if you mute the, if you mute the words, you are gonna do this. That's what I'm. Like, you gonna you gonna hit the wall. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, no. now so so because it ain't gotta be either or. It could be both, and I and I think that's beautiful because I think and I don't know if you consciously did it, but this is something that I could grasp just from listening to this. The theme that we've already said one of them is to get back to the youth, and what's a good way to get black kids in the hip hop community to listen to it. They might not get the meaning at first, but they'll definitely bob their head to it. And I don't know if you consciously chose that, but that is 
a brilliant idea to get people to listen to your conscious rap. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and uh, there, I could talk about God's trombone for forever because it's interesting you talk, you talk about us looking for Christianity for black folk because I actually had a conversation the other day about just how we don't necessarily know A, our background of religion uh, and we just believe what we were told from slavery and B, we're so tied to religion that pe- black people in general are so tied to religion that it's easy to manipulate us when it comes to saying God. And that's why I don't rock with Kanye, what he's doing right now, due to the fact that he knows we are some of the most easily manipulated when it comes to religion. And I cannot rock with anything that he's doing. With 100%. Him. And mm-hmm. I think if anybody's going to do a religious album in the sense of keeping it hip hop, this is how you do it because it wasn't overbearing in your face. Listen, man. And it was easy to so, digest. So like, like, I look just the second verse. I'm about to take it to another level. While y'all busy rhyming about your dime bezel, these devils out here using God as a weapon. They think that they are hurt. It justifies our oppression. Ain't no black heaven to teach us from plantation Jesus, cause they don't see us as equal and never wanted freedom for black people spitting lies when they tell us if we bound to them on earth, that will make it up to heaven. But I don't want to wait to perish for I finally inherit the earth that God promised. I don't claim to be a prophet. But I follow like apostles, a disciple with the rifle, Ethiopian Bible up and bliggers on you false idols. And thank God for the black woman. My God is a black woman. And I'm appraising with these horns that I be playing. Jiggalating on the battlefield like I'm King David. So it's just like, so real quick, I'm going to say this because it's going to go out the rest of the album. Yeah. I've never died before. So I don't know what heaven and hell is like. Yeah, facts. But I, 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 something tells me that if I die believing and white Jesus, which was given to us to make us second-class citizens, that I'm going to go to heaven like that. Mm. Like I always say, I always say, if white folks want to go to Mars, let them go. I'm staying right here. Because I'm not going to the fucking planet to be treated the same way I am on Earth. Yeah. And so, it, me, it, this, it, this, I'm still working through this, right? I'm mm-hmm. still doing my research. Um, I'm, I definitely study like James Cone, Albert Cleage, uh, black, uh, black Christian nationalism, and black liberation theology, right? But like, I don't want to go to heaven for us as black people to be still treated the same way mm. in this place they introduced to us on earth. Mm. That makes sense? No, that makes a lot of, bro. Right? It's, it's also for me. So like a lot of it is redefining what a black heaven is, what a black God is. What, what, so, so it ain't got to be Nipsey Hussle was a black messiah. Yeah. Tupac was a black messiah. Like if you look at the album cover on the front, it's Miss Sadie. On the back is Alton Sterling. Yeah, he could have been the savior. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah. like, like, like you, you can be a stripper. You can be, you can be whatever. You know, you, and if you listen to the album, unless I'm re- like specifically talking about myself, or I'm talking about a young black boy, God is only referred to as a woman. Yeah, her. Yeah, you. Right. God is never referred to as a him or he. If you can tell, if you can take my, if you can take my Christianity, my, my, if you can take my people's spiritual system, and tell me that Jesus is a white man. I'm going to reclaim my spirituality tell and tell you that God is a black woman. Okay. I'm not going to debate if Jesus was a was was I, Jesus was definitely a man. Yeah. He's he was he was a brown skinned nigga with dreads. That's what I always do. You know what I'm That's saying? That's what my mom always told me, sir. You grow dreads, you will look like the Lord. You yeah, feel me? No, I feel you. You know what I'm saying? He was a brown skinned man with dreads, right? So, but if we do an immaculate conception, the Lord ain't put no baby in no skinny white woman. <laughs> I know what you, you feel me? Yeah, no, I feel you. You feel me? Like, like, like the mother, the mother of Jesus, Mary, 
probably would be like Serena. You 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 you, you think you think somebody look like olive oil gonna have Adam eating forbidden fruit? What you think Mary Magdalene look like? Let's keep it a buck. And just if you know, these were African people that we're talking about. And if you just look at the geography of where everything, the geography took place. like can a, can a white woman have a black baby? Can a my mom my mom is lighter than you. My mom, my mom, my mom is, I don't know. Like, my my grandmother was half Choctaw Indian. Okay. Southern Oklahoma, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bright red. My mama light skin. Black woman can have any type of color baby on the earth. I'm just saying yeah. we got so we got to. And then furthermore, we just got to respect black women more. Period. That's something. That the you're the also mother of civilization. Save on that because I want to get to that. All right, boom, boom, boom. I'm sorry. We, we don't know track two. My bad, my bad, my bad, That's a track, I believe, non-conversation. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's jump to track three. The only thing I really got from track three was you call yourself the Southern Biggie Smalls. Ah. That was, I think that was the thing that stood out to me the most. Right. When you say that this Biggie Smalls influence, you just talk to me about that bar and why you, why call you me, uh, say that bar. Call me Black Guy for a Southern Conscious Biggie Smalls. So Biggie Smalls was my T'Challa. Okay. Growing up a fat black kid. Someone you know what I'm you saying? can see yourself in I, I went ugly. Like he, he said, yeah, I, 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 ain't, I ain't claiming that. <laughs> but I was definitely fat. I was definitely fat and chubby, right? So my two superheroes, Shaquille O'Neal and Christopher Wallace. Mm. Right? My, my all-time, my all-time favorite basketball player and my all-time favorite rapper. You know what I'm saying? I'm with so, you on that Shaq thing. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So uh, Biggie, man, just his confidence. Of course, as a rapper. You know, it was funny. What's funny is me being the conscious rapper... Biggie was all about death, murder, mayhem, and he said nothing positive. But he only he got murdered at twenty four, right? Yeah, he didn't get a chance to grow. Right, he didn't get a chance to grow, and so I have a line on seven where I say, "I'm the natural evolution of Big Papa." After all the violence, finally coming to the knowledge, building with the guys and the Islamic scholars, Amar, I mean, uh, Amelia Tiana at an all black college. You know what I'm saying? Or and, and young Chris is Amari, right? And so I'm thinking like Biggie would be. He was born in let's see, seventy two. So he would be 40, 47 this year, right? He'd and so for me, different. not so much as an artist because I don't, I rap more like Tupac than Biggie, mm-hmm. ironically, right? Yeah. And I hated Pac when he was alive because he heard my feelings talking about my favorite rapper. <laughs> to this, I'm a bad boy stand, so you can't tell me nothing about Puffy and none of this shit, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I took it personal back then, right? Okay. But uh, I, I studied Tupac as I got in college and I really got to appreciate and understood he definitely was killed just like Malcolm X was. See, that's my... With, and, and, and that's a whole... I can go way off of tenders on that shit. That's my thing with Tupac. Like, I don't... I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of his music, but I was a fan of what he did and what he said. Man, look. If, if, if you if you look and see... Like, so... And I'm not... I'm trying not to get too far into it, but... A lot of my knowledge of how U.S. intelligence agencies infiltrated the music industry comes from a book called The FBI War Against Tupac's Court and Other Left Leaders. And so the book... The, the thesis of the book is how U.S. intelligence agencies... Work with Interscope and use Death Row as a front to stop the peace treaty in mm. L.A. in 1992, post Rodney King. Like, if you hear me, I, I on, on one song I say, uh, they been putting snitches in the hood from William O'Neill, who was the person who that's track five, yeah, yeah, you know, that's no, that's uh, that's, not five? that's Lord knows, oh, from from William, you know, William O'Neill all the way to Sug, you know, what I'm saying from Black Panthers to Death Row, you know, what I'm saying Fred Hampton to Pac, okay, so. Yeah. Uh, Sugar's a fed. Let's not get it twisted, right? So it, all I have to say is just like um, um, I forgot the point I was trying to make. I took myself so far far off. Oh yeah, so U.S. intelligence agencies have always worked in there. So in, in this book, it breaks down like all the different ways that how Tupac had an FBI file and had a psychological profile 
from beginning on what his mother did and stepfather with Asada Shakur, with, with, with uh, Matulu Shakur, with Geronimo Pratt, and how there's different ways that they tried to attempt to murder them and how they did how they did with Tupac. And so, and so the the guy's name is John Potash. He's a uh, he's he wrote his dissertation. Uh, a white guy, you know what I'm saying? And John Potash went to Columbia. And so, as a history major, I'm reading his books. I'm reading the bibliography. Yeah. And I'm looking at the FBI files, right? And so that's where a lot of my understanding of how the feds fuck with hip hop comes from. Okay, comes from the history. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So like, so um, that so reading that made me re- re- appreciate Tupac a whole lot more. But Biggie, man, it's about. And then I say a lot on this song too, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I feel like two things can be true. I enjoy strip clubs. I think the black woman is God. Right? Yep. I, I have I have a very liberal um viewpoint when it comes to sex workers. Right? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. even when I go to strip clubs, I ain't gotta be no ass, so I ain't gotta be this and the third. You have autonomy with your body. Yeah. I'm not gonna disrespect. I'm married. My wife goes to strip clubs with me. You know what I'm saying? So but I but I don't judge you or treat you no differently because you're still a woman to me. You're still a human being. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so, like, um, I like to wear number polo. Polo, you got, I got the polo slides on. <laughs> yeah, you got polo, polo Every day, I got at least two pieces of polo on every single day. Right? That's what you should think. You know what I'm saying? I don't drink, you know, I don't really drink anymore. But I like Hennessy and Red Bull. Right? I like I like to go out with my niggas and kicking the thug every now and then. You feel me? Yeah. Without sacrificing who I am. As a... As as an intelligent black man, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, so that's what black guy fresh. So like you know when I get my cut, I got the part on deck. You know what I'm saying, the part on the side. Got nothing but polo on me and my niggas. We, I'm black guy fresh. Yeah. No, I feel. I'm you. still God, and no. I'm still. You know, it, it ain't got to be either or. I ain't got to be you know with a kufi on and the bow tie and yeah to 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 be a conscious rapper. You can still enjoy. Like, right. You can, it's about. Honestly, it's about moderation and just you can still be yourself and still have your moral. Two purpose. things can be true without contradicting each other. Yep. So that's what that song is. And it's, it's about the celebration of blackness. Okay, one hundred. Right. The next, uh, the next is the skit. I wanted to just ask both skits. You chose your kids to freestyle. And I must say, your girl had the harder freestyle than the boys. But what made you choose to have your kids do freestyle? Man, my, my, like I say, I grew up seeing my father being a. a, a, a a gospel artist, and it really influenced me. And you wanted to bring that back to them. But just, I mean, it's just, it's just, I, I love my father for it. And it's the, the gift of music is the, you know, next to life. Yeah. And love, the gift of music is the greatest gift he ever gave me. And I just kind of want to replicate that, you know what I'm saying, with my kids. You know what I'm saying? So my wife sings, I'm a hip hop guy. So in my car, if it ain't NPR or some type of podcast, we got some edited hip hop going on. And like, to the, and, and so they naturally, like yesterday, bro, my wife, my, my, so, my, well, the other day, my daughter came to me and she wrote an introduction of why, why it's bad to not rap over vocals, which I did, brought tears to my eyes. Yesterday, she came up to me. She got some game on a tablet. She said, Daddy, can you sample this? I want to write something to it. She's nine years old, right? Yeah. And so, like, um, my son, so my son was in first grade last year. And it happened about a year ago or whatever. So my daughter, had she had did her rap, like, uh, she was like seven. She, that was like maybe like a year and a half ago. And my son was making fun of her. I was like, you ain't got no raps. <laughs> and, you know, he was in first grade, like beginning of first grade. Mm-hmm. So he really couldn't write. Okay. And so he was just like, oh, I said, what no. do you want to talk about? I want to talk about video games. I want to talk. I said, all right, cool. So I wrote the first six bars for him. Mm-hmm. Well, I, he, he wrote everything. The last bar, he was like, and I got the sounding speed fast as a Ferrari. I said, man, I have used punchlines. Where'd you get this from? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, so he just, so, and I was just like, you know what? Because... The first part of the album is heavy. Yeah. It's feature heavy. It's content heavy. But like I said, I'm taking myself out of 
being the black messiah, I'm talking about it. And a lot of people know me to be very serious. So let's have some fun. Let's get into the let's get into the humanity of it. And honestly, it after this, the album does lighten up in a sense before it picks back up. I think, Absolutely. So I that think was, between the two skits is where we get our lightness and then after the two skits that's where we ramp it back up to close out Absolutely. Album. Absolutely. 100%. Shout out to Cartoon Character, man. That's a, that's a dope rap name. That's what I was about to say. You, cartoon you, Character. What made you, just so we can touch on the features, what made you choose each feature? Was that con, that was that a, a, a very specific decision? So the, so, so, the, so the first verse for the album, which is on Sunday, was a uh, Sky Zoo, which was one of my all-time favorite rappers. I can talk forever about how I got that verse, That's but like, man, I'm honestly I'm keeping the buck, and this ain't no disrespect to no bad roots artist, man. I'm graduating. Yeah, I'm not a local rapper. I'm not a regional rapper. I'm a national rapper, and like knowing Sky Zoo, knowing Sky Zoo's people, I'm maybe like two or two or two levels but under him. Real, and so I'm trying to play up. You're trying to get to that. Level. I'm trying to play up. Yeah, I, I call myself I'm the CJ McCullum of rap. Mm. I ain't all NBA. Yeah, ain't I ain't all star. But, you, but if you go home, I'm going to hit your ass for 25. I fuck with that. Hell yeah. Right? I ain't on the national team yet. But you getting there. You know what I'm saying? I ain't playing for FIBA. But if but if but I but if you fuck around, I'll meet you for 30. Yeah. Okay. And so and so the only way, the only way for me to get to the all-star game or be all NBA team is to go at James Harden every time we go. Right? And so I'm 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 looking at Sky Zoo as James Harden. Okay. I want him. You know you what I'm saying? I like we battle, yeah. like you, you got that spot I want. Whatever. So so this is this is the caliber of art I'm trying to make as an MC or whatever. So um that and then you know I was working with the people from Clear So Force. I got the novelist verse. Um D Horton is one of my good friends. You know what I'm saying? If 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 uh if I'm CJ McCullum, he's uh what's 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 the two guard for Utah? Uh, oh Donovan Mitchell. He's Donovan Mitchell, right? We ain't all stars yet. We at all NBA. Yeah, yo, we'll light y'all asses up, right? One hundred. You know what I'm saying? We at the same conference. You feel me? Yeah. So like, so that's so that's that's my guy, whatever. And then I got you know, we'll, we'll talk about other people when we get there, whatever. Okay, sure. But honestly, it ain't about like trying to get no hits and no plays, man. It's about making the best possible music and just making making stuff that makes you feel that, that that's good, that's dope as a motherfucker. One hundred. That's what it's about. So we get to track five, and this track is what what I was leading to. It made me think of the beef between Takashi and Triple Red, and how the label wanted them to beef. How it was said that the label pushed that beef. How it was said that the label put everything around that situation. Being that what we heard about you saying labels run private, were a front for private prisons. Just talk to me a little bit about how that situation. Just how your opinion on that situation. So absolutely. So I honestly, when I was talking about. All this ignorant nigga shit is deliberate. They'll pump you when you wait. Wait, hold on, hold on. They'll bleed you when you hot. When you cold, leave you shivering. Promote your crimes on rack. Promote your crimes on wax. Get knocked. They indifferent. Now you got a joke. So they disappear. Yeah. I'll talk about Bobby Schmurder. Ooh, you right. Bobby Schmurder literally got indicted for hot nigga. Yeah. He done shot niggas. He done sold... He, he, every nigga on this, he said they names. Yeah. And it was all good when he was dancing on the on the, on the the coffee table in the room and doing all that clown shit. But when you got knocked for it, first he said, you ever gonna pay for this shit? I was like, oh, you about to do some time time. You gotta do that, my nigga. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they, they literally... Like, if you think about when Rick Ross got in trouble with the... I put the Molly in a drink. Or when uh, Lil Wayne had the... Lil Wayne had the... I beat the puss like Emmett Till, right? Yeah. Me and you wouldn't have me and you would never have been able to hear that shit unless somebody cleared that shit. Cause those songs are features. So the, so they don't give a fuck. Let yeah. me let me tell you how, how nasty. This is when I realized that this is how I realized how nasty the music industry is. 
there's no secret that it's mostly ran by Jews, Jewish people, right? Yeah. On Dead Slope, when she say, I really hate niggas, I'm a Nazi. That's why I like the music industry ain't got no fucking morals. Yeah, true. That was on the radio, son. Yeah, it was. Like, like it was not, top, not, okay, okay, cool. Cool. The black the black degradation aspect of it. Okay, cool. All right, I get it. You know what I'm saying? But, the, but 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 you as a Jewish person, press the button. When somebody said I'm a Nazi, yeah, you have no fucking heart, bro. Like, 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 and I ain't talking about Jewish people. I'm talking about the music industry. industry yeah, I'm man. talking about how corrupt and, uh, and, and immoral that shit is, right? Because a Jewish person probably, the, the average everyday Jewish person not letting that fly. Right. The, the, the ADL, you know yeah. what I'm saying? If I say anti-screen repair, it sounds too close to anti-Semitism, the ADL on my ass. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like, so, so all I have to say is just like, like, that shit is deliberate. And then when enough blowback, then they'll try to double down on. They're, they're trying to try, try to try to try to get away from the situation, or whatever. But I was talking more about Bobby Smurda on that shit or whatever. Real, see, like, I didn't even catch that's crazy. Like the whole time I was thinking about the Takashi fair. Yeah, because even... so yeah, that was that was recorded before that shit or whatever. But like I, when I was talking about uh, um, because if we look, the reason why we know about Crips and Bloods and GDs and Vice Lords, but we don't never talk about the Savage Skulls or the New York City gangs, is because of hip hop. Hip hop was a culture like the same the same culture that stopped gangs in New York in the seventies, right? We still know about all the stuff that started in the sixties from Chicago and LA. Yeah. But the gangs in New York, we had hip hop culture. So that's if hip hop is a weapon, can you tell me what you're aiming for? Are you trying to free the people or you blood sucking for the poor? So if you see it's H H I A W. So then I say, if hip hop is a weapon, can you tell me what you're aiming for? If you really love it, why y'all treat it like a whore? We talk about, you know, when we talk about you know, because of common, we refer to hip hop as her. Yeah. So we can talk about hip hop as a weapon, or it could be hip hop as a woman. Mm, if you love her, why you try to pimp her? Okay. Yeah. You feel me? And so, like, I talk about uh, uh, I talk about the 1996 Communication Act signed by Bill Clinton, which changed everything. You know what I'm saying? Where, where, where now, you know, there was a limit of how many stations that one particular company that can own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so now, like, you know. You do this, Clear Channel comes and blah, they buy up everything, and now it's a monopoly on the music and the payola is kind of crazy, or whatever, right? So like it's it's like like I said, you're going to get a like it's a bunch of concepts Except, yeah, in lamest terms. It's a layer, it's an onion. You just pull back. You just got peel back. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, so it's, that's that's all. It's like it did novelist man for Clear Forces. He murdered it, man. He's one of the best MCs on the planet. Yeah, he had a he, he killed that shit. He he really did, bro. The next one we got track six. This is someday with Sky Zoo, and I, I definitely think you ate a little harder than Sky Zoo. That's no disrespect. I thought you just killed it. But my question to you about this is: I heard you said you hope your son and daughter could find real freedom, and I just oh no, we already asked you about that. That's we talked about that actually right. earlier, but that was the conversation of freedom. And of course, you said how you sick of gunplay, whether it's murder by the cops or murder by our own hands. Talk to me just about your thoughts on the gun situation in America today. It's trick, man. I, I'm not no two way guy. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm not gonna say I'm not a two way guy. I def I definitely believe in African people. I believe in armed resistance. Um, from the Deacons of Defense to uh uh the Black Liberation Army to Robert F. Williams. You know what I'm saying? Um, I do believe. You know, I had a song called Negroes of Guns, which was the book by uh Robert F. Uh, Robert F. Smith or whatever. Um, I believe in black people arming themselves. Um, I do think that I understand the reason why, like the black two way people, like Killer Mike and other people, are like, yo, like if we really, really get strict on gun bans and things like that, 
you know, the people who are going to be, every time something happens, the people who are going to be affected the most are black people, right? Mm-hmm. Because, let's not get it twisted, all this shit, these laws, the police are aligned to keep, if nothing else, keep black people in place. Don't let white people get too caught out of control, but we want you niggas to keep doing it just like this, right? Yeah. And so I agree, if they can have one, we should be able to have one too. But Trump rolled it back to where people with like, schizophrenic people can go buy guns, yeah. a, a, a yopstick. Come on now, bro. Yeah, that's just wild. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying. And so for me, like as a person who comes from a culture where people gang bang, and person who I'm head first in the streets in Baton Rouge as it pertains to youth development and like working in some of the ne- toughest neighborhoods, I'm not really worried about black people. Now I'm not saying I'm invincible. Yeah. But I get my respect in the streets from helping these young kids out, and and the dudes who might be in the streets they see that, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm worried about, like, you know what I'm saying, a cop. Yeah. Or old George Zimmerman type motherfucker, right? And so I definitely believe in the right to defend myself, right? So, um, yeah, that's 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 <laughs> that. No, that's basically that. Yeah. yeah. And I I just felt that line was impactful. Also, being the fact that you had Alvin Sterling on the back of your cover, and now hearing your story about how you were t- a little tied to Alvin Sterling, it just makes more sense and everything with that song. The next song we got is uh, uh, track seven. Forever right now. Yep. You a James Harden uh, NBA fan? Cause no. I, I, oh, so you're not a James Harden fan. I, I, I'm, I'm born and raised in Oklahoma. Ooh, Oklahoma. Mm, how you feel about Russ? I'm hurt. Ooh. I'm always going to love Russ, man. He, he's all he's going to be. Next to Shaq, he's my, he's my all-time favorite player. It's hard to watch him. He gave you all right? everything he gave. He no, I mean, it. he didn't want to leave, man. Yeah. So first of all, let me say this. Fuck Patrick Beverly. <laughs> I hate Patrick Beverly with a passion. I will forever. Um, Do you dislike KD? Hmm? I try to I, I try to forgive him, man, but he keep talking shit. <laughs> he broke my heart. I was hurt. I could imagine. I was hurt. And then like he got traded like the same week Alvin Sterling got killed. Mm, so I was hurt. But like he, he broke my he broke my heart. He, he broke people. If you're not from Oklahoma, bro, you understand how much we love the Thunder, right? I understand why Russ had he wanted to stay. Like so, I I was really happy that. Kawhi Leonard won. Yeah, same. Me too. You know what I'm saying? But he broke my team up. Yes, he did. He broke. He 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 recruited Paul George to leave, and Russ is like, "Well, fuck. Now I gotta go." Yeah. And Paul George is gonna play with the bitch ass nigga Patrick Beverly. <laughs> so it be for the Clippers. Yeah. Okay. I was I was fucking with PG. I was fucking with the, the boy man. Mm-hmm. But that was beef. Yeah. Nah. Cause y'all with the ops. <laughs> y'all with the ops. Nah, I feel. But, it's, but but I'm always gonna love Russ, man. He's always gonna love us. He didn't want to leave, man. No, he didn't. And I'm sure he's like, still going to do stuff for the community. Yeah, absolutely, man. Dog, like, we, we love that. Like, because he could have left. Mm-hmm. He could have slid a long time ago. Yeah, he stayed he to double to down. Yep. Right. Like, they was, you know, he wanted to run it back. And honestly, if P, if he could, if Oklahoma City could have got another star, he would have stayed. But I think, I think, I think if we, if we, if we would have ran it back healthy, we would have been all right. No, this especially in this new duo era of the NBA. But with, with everybody else breaking up from the big three. Yep. Well, we just with our guys and then with 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 Terrence Ferguson, whatever. But and then getting Robinson back for defense. We we, we gonna be all right this year though, man. We ain't gonna. I I I think we'll you be. Think y'all, y'all keep him? Or, cool. or y'all trade Chris Paul? We are gonna trade him. Yeah, I feel like we gonna trade. We gonna, we, 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 gonna, we gonna trade him. But Shea Gill just. And you know you know what's funny about it? I fucking hate Chris Paul. <laughs> and not because he's not a great player. I just don't. He he reminds me of a nigga high school. I don't like. I never liked that nigga. Right. <laughs> I understand he's elite, and now I got root for the nigga for at least a uh, year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. But that's my. I look. I ain't no. I ain't no flip flopper, bro. You. Okay. I'm. I'm. I, I, I'm talking about the Thunder on this particular song. You know what I'm saying? But I, I love my beloved Oklahoma City Thunder. You know what I'm saying? I'm. I'm 
You know what I mean? That's like, your squad. I, I, like I said, I spent the first half of my life in Oklahoma, second half in Louisiana, right? So I rep, I rep Baton Rouge hip hop. This is my culture. This is my community. That's where most of people at was born as an artist. That's why mm-hmm. I put my time in or whatever. Yeah. But I'm still an Okie too. I'm, I'm, I got dual citizenship. You know what nah, I'm saying? I feel you. So the same way you feel about Russ's, in well, about not not about Russ, but just about the situation of him leaving. How you got the ops is L.A. Clippers. My ops is, is Los Angeles Lakers. Okay. What they did with AD, they they broke he, that team up. He wanted to, he did he wanted to go. Though. Yeah, he wanted to go, and I'm glad he gone because we we're in a lot better position now. Y'all would be fun to watch. We got a shot. Y'all be fun to watch. Y'all make I, y'all think y'all make the playoffs this year? I think we got a shot. Okay, I think we make the AFC depending on it's two things. Number one, where the shooting come from? That's my biggest concern. Where do we get JJ sh- Reddick? But is he enough? That's my question. Like, what can Brandon Ingram do? Has he grown? Lonzo, can he? Push the offense. I'm I'm concerned about how the offense flows because I think defensively we'll be on top. And my next my next thing is how much of an impact Zion has this year. If he has a big impact, we got a shot. If he has a medium impact, can the other guys step up and lift it? But if he has a small impact with the other, that'll guys, be fun we, to watch though. It's gonna be a good. It's gonna. Be I, a good I haven't year. been to a to a Pelicans game in a minute, but I'm definitely going like this year. I'm gonna be there too. I'm I'm excited. So I, track seven was where I wanted to ask my NBA questions okay. and see how you see your thoughts about that. Again, track eight's a skit with uh, the freestyle from your daughter. Mila T. That was that shit was hard, bro. She I, wrote that herself, and I, that's why she see, wrote that herself. That's why I, I could t- you could just feel the energy in it. Like my name is Mila T. I am the queen. She got it because so 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 one day she was bored. This is like almost like a year and a half ago at this point. She was bored. She was like, "Daddy, I'm bored. I ain't got nothing to do." I said, "Man, write a rap." She was like, "How I do it?" I said, "Go write eight cent, write eight lines that rhyme." And I'm teaching how to rap them. So she did it. And she was trying to rap it, and she got frustrated and started crying. Yeah, that's my baby. Okay, yeah. whatever. She came back like 30 minutes later. She had it memorized. And so when I was thinking about it again, I was like, you know what? Because at this part of the album, we're talking about less about Marcel P. Black, the revolutionary. Let's talk about Marcel P. Black, the, the man. man. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? And like, I'm a loving father. I love my wife. I Whatever, whatever, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And so I want to, and my kids literally picked these beats for this album. They've been a part of making this album, yep. right? You know what I'm saying? So I was like, man, let, let me let me get them bars out. And so like, um, every summer my kids go to Oklahoma to spend time with their parents, right? And so to my with my parents rather. So we go visit my kids during the summer, which okay. is funny, right? Because they spend the from from May to, to school get out to almost first week of school, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in August, right? Let them be with so like by halfway through the summer we go see them or whatever. Cause we get babysit, we miss our babies, you know what I'm saying? I was like, man, let me get them on it. So over the phone, I said, yeah, me, I, I didn't said, even know that was you couldn't even tell. Really, a voice recorder. Well, I sent it to him and he mixed it or whatever. I was yeah. like, Mila, spit your rap. So she rapping. I said, nah, p- drip. <laughs> Put some sauce on it. <laughs> that so, was so, awesome. So she got the. My name is Mila T. I am the Queen B. I like. I like. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah, that's my baby, man. Like, she brought that heat. Yeah, but I'm really, you know, just, just. I can see you being proud for that. Oh man, like she really want to rap though. That's fine. I'm not gonna, you know, if she, you know, if she want to do it, we are gonna do it. I'm not gonna make her do it. I don't yeah. want to feel like she gotta do it. But like she already sings and leads choir. She plays drums. Yeah. So like she's already musically inclined. If she wanna, I mean, her son is, you know, she's she's a, she's the child of a child of hip hop. Yeah. So it's in her. So if she wanna do, we are gonna do it. We gonna you gonna let her rock out 100. So we get to track nine. I think it's interesting that you said from the women you love to sex women, sex workers, and this it talks about your liber- like your, your views on sex workers that all women should be treated with respect. What do you think of the way that men treat women today in the sense of the belittling, the abuse, and it's just from 
all women are getting it, but we see it a lot with the black woman, like on Twitter. We, I, and it makes me sick when I see a man just slap women, women on Twitter. Like we see that all the time. Why do you think it's it, it's more like that today, or is it more? Do we see it more today because of the internet? I mean, we see it more today because of the internet. But like, man, it's like this, man. It's like it's the black woman has been. First of all, the black woman is God. Birthed this beginning of all creation. Second of all, if we just take it back to the peculiar institution of chattel slavery, like the strength that black women had to deal with being raped, having their children separated, they still fought for us. We talk about from, from we talk about from Harriet Tubman to Fannie Lou Hamer to Serena Williams. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we talk about powerful black women who have been the back, you know, we talk about Black Lives Matter movement. We talk about Me Too with Tarana Burke. You know what I'm saying? We talk about black women have always bled, sacrificed, and done every single thing they could for our black liberation, even when we left the... And I, you know, hey, you love what you love, but what I hate to see is when I see a black dude give it a white woman, so I trash the black women, right? I hate that. Like, that's some sucker shit to me, yeah. right? Like, just, 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 like, so that one, so that, that song is about me acknowledging how I need to unlearn a lot of the shit that I was taught. Because I grew up on Pimp C and Two Short and Snoop Dogg. My daddy didn't treat women like bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. Yeah. The rappers who I listened to did. Right? And so, it's a lot of things I'm unlearning to be a better example of my own churn. Yeah. Like, teaching my son at seven so he ain't never got to unlearn that bullshit when he get older and setting a precedent of how a man is supposed to treat women for when my daughter's old enough to find it or whatever, right? I'm blessed to have a father who loves my mother. You know, just, I've never heard him call my mother out of name. Raised a hand, never cursed at her. To this day, they've been married for almost forty years, and that's that's beautiful. Yeah, almost forty years, and I mean, they are this, and he loves her, and they love each other, and I work as hard as I can to uh, uh, show that type of love and respect and model it. Because my, my my wife didn't have a father, mm-hmm. and her mother had issues with men, so like. She's never been fully 100% loved by a man. So we're learning. Yeah, y'all learning together. We're unlearning and we're, you know what I'm saying, packing years of, unpacking years of trauma. And we've been together for seven, we've been married for nine, been together for 17 years. You know what I'm saying? Damn. 16 years, 16 years. Since 2003. I was 19, she was 17. Real. You know what I'm saying? So and we've been married for nine years. We're getting old shit. But uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, so like that, that song was important to me. And then like I always talk about my dad. I never made a verse for my mama. This was the mo- I got you. So like that was that was like the most she ain't heard it yet. Ooh, I know yeah. she gonna Oh, we're gonna cry. I can feel we you gonna can cry. feel the emotion on it, man. We're gonna like, cry. We're gonna to cry because end. man, it, it was yes, yes. And you start but, telling like 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 like, like, like long story short, man, something happened. My childhood that like really traumatized me when I was younger, and it was some other stuff going on. But I started acting out, doing shit that I wasn't supposed to be doing. Rebelling, like rebelling and kind of getting into the streets, and that was affecting my attitude at home. And my dad is six six two sixty. He was a college basketball player, black as a mug, right? <laughs> I wasn't really playing with him, but some of the things that happened. Where it dealt with her more than him, mm. and I blamed it on her. But 
what I didn't realize is now that I'm a father, I understand that sometimes parents just fuck up. Yeah. Or they don't see everything that we see as kids. And being that I didn't have, and I understand that my son, my my daughter, she's real expressive. She'll talk to you. My son, he's still learning that type of language in, as far as the talk. So you got to ask questions. You got to ask questions. So my, my, my parents loved me to death. They did everything they possibly could. But there were some things that they might have missed. And so during that time, I took it out on her. And I treated her with so much disrespect. When I was young, my brain went for them developed. And she was a mother. I was the only child. She never parented a child before yeah. we did. And so, but, now, but now that I'm older and I got kids myself, I understand why you did that. And it's not even about forgiveness, right? Because it's about understanding. And, you know, so... Oh, we're gonna cry when that come on. We we gonna yeah, she gonna hear that song, we gonna just That's one of my favorites on the album. Thank like, you, man. That thank song you. Thank was fire, thank like one hundred percent. Cause it made me think of my mom. So right, 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 like, right, right. Some I, and, you know, I wouldn't I wasn't trying to do the typical Dear Mama Black Girls Rock. But I yeah. but I wanted to You did it in a very like original and like different way. And like that beat, man. That it, beat It is, wasn't preachy. That was the thing. Like it was I mean it was it, it that was, it was just, just honesty. Right, right. And like like that was and I wanted to do a different take than everybody else did, but like that beat is like, so you know, that's the sample to, uh, I've always wanted to sample X Factor by Lauryn Hill, okay. right? And it, you know, I've sent it to several different producers, and then Drake does it on Nice For What. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> but that particular version is from like a, it's like a, she did like, it was like a B-side from mm -hmm. a live performance she did. Okay. So it sounds different than, than what nice it normally one, sounds yeah. like. So he chopped it up different. It's the same thing. It's, but it just doesn't sound like what Drake used for Nice For What. So I heard, oh, yes, I got to do something to this or whatever. And, but, like, you know, I, I just always thought about, like, live for me. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like, okay, this is a black woman saying, like, we love you men unconditionally. Can you live for me? Yeah. So this is my apology to black women as a whole, but, like, specifically to my mother. You know what I mean? 100%. You can, you can hear all of that. Track ten, I thought it was interesting. This was like one of this was another one of my favorite ones when like you talked about because I was a, I was a chubby kid growing up like one hundred percent, and you talked about how you dr drinking and drugs weren't your thing, but fast food was. And I, I did to, I drank now no so now like smoking weed and like any other type of drugs never never was my thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, I just stopped drinking in, in March. Really? Like I told myself when I dropped my album, my, when I dropped the EP that I wasn't gonna drink again until after this album comes out. I dropped the EP and uh. For the culture of March twenty second, and I'm like you know what? After I drop my album, I'm gonna drink, but I ain't gonna taste for it no more. One, that's like, you know what I'm saying. But um, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like you know. And just my question was, how important is it health for the black community? Because I because that's that, that's how I looked at it. So I talk about physical and mental health a lot on the album, mm -hmm. right? And so it's been a game changer, man. Like this time last year, let me see, in September twenty sixth, two thousand eighteen, I found out I was diabetic, and I was relieved because I knew I had some health problem. I was too scared to go. And that's what you hear me kind of talk about the doctor at the beginning of the yep. project. I was 454 pounds. Real. When I moved to Louisiana, I was 230 pounds. Played high school basketball in good shape. I could dunk up until like maybe like 2009 to 10. Real. You was a hooper hooper. Yeah, I could hoop. I, I was a fat guy on the team before stretch fours, right? I was, I was, I, I was, I was, if I was, back then I would say Anthony Mason. To make it current now, I was more like Draymond. Okay. All, all Draymond's a fat ass at heart, and that's me. That was me, man. All, all big. My grandpa told me be like Charles Barkley. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and that's what. They, so look, I never played a down attack of football in my life, but I used to have JV. Like I used to have JUCO coaches come to my JV games to try to get you because because good. I was six foot two, two hundred thirty pounds, and I could dunk. 
mean, mm-hmm. you'd be a stallion. They tight end, blah blah. I was I thinking played. tight end DN. I, I, I never played. I never played. My daddy was a college basketball player. Okay. He played his freshman year at Southeastern University. That's where Dennis Rodman went. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, absolutely. So like, you know, I came here. Between all the liquor, who and the rubbernecking and drinking and partying, all this great food yeah. we got down here, I gained a lot of weight. And um, you know, dealing with being a mental health counselor really put things into perspective. My own mental health issues, I deal with anxiety and depression. And so for me, like I said, I never smoked weed or a bit, no 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 type of drugs besides alcohol ever in life. At one, I had a nasty habit smoking black and miles for a little bit. But that's what I was. If you ever see me, I got me with a nasty a, tobacco habit. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever see me with a black and mild, no, I'm probably gonna fight somebody. That's when you get. That's oh, that, 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 that look! That's that's like my evil. That's like the evil version of Marcel P. Black. <laughs> that's that's like the, 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 yeah, that's yeah. that that's the that's the the, the the dark hoodie one, right? You see me with a black. Oh, that nigga with it tonight. <laughs> Somebody gonna get fought tonight. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's up there. But like um, but like for me, man, and I, I still allow it every now and then on my cheat days. But like, man, if I'm feeling bad, I got them double quarter pound in a Coca Cola or a Snickers bar. And so like, yeah, like that was that was in. And so, on the flip side of that, man, so he told me that, man, I'm about 70 pounds down now. You know what I'm saying? I didn't make the 150, like I said on our album, mm-hmm. on the song, but I'm about 70, about 72 pounds down now. And let me tell you something, man, I big. am in the best rap shape of my life. And I see you in the every on IG, posting the gym. Every, every, like I, that, I try to go three days proud, a week, 30 minutes rip, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I, I, I had me down before I came here, but I watched my points. Yeah. So, I, I eat about, I try to stay between 18,000. At 2,000 calories a day. So even if I'm on the road and I'm not able to eat as fresh and clean as I want to, if I'm going to get fast food, I'm watching what I eat or whatever. I drink a lot of water. My skin, my beard is starting to get there. You feel me? My skin That's is popping. That's soda man. I'm, th- I'm 36 and nobody believes I'm in my 30s. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, I ain't got to rap over vocals because I'm in shape. And then uh, like my mind was clearer. So like the second half, you could tell certain songs, the se- like a good portion of the album was written and recorded. Like there's a version of Someday. Before I was in shape, mm-hmm. and then there's a ver- and it had another hook to it. This version is way more clean and way more yeah, like, some, like, some like I bars. couldn't do hip hop like before I really got in shape. I couldn't do hip hop as well because it's more of hip hop. It's more of a upbeat record. Real, okay. you know what I'm saying? And I'm still working to like performing live or whatever. We're just gonna be a beast because you know the way I perform. Like I have to position that song right so I make sure I got the wind to do it or whatever. Yeah, but like it's made me my live shows a million times better. Yeah. You gotta come fuck with me. No, no I'm a, look. My live show, my I, I, and I say this, man. Like, when it comes to underground hip hop guys from the south, mm-hmm. I'm one. Of, I'm one of the top performers. One of the best, real, I, I'm one of the most. But and I, and when I say training to be the best rapper, yeah. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm working for it, right? And my goal is to be the best performer in every single room I go into, and I train for it, right? And so, but like in. And so, what I put into my body, be it fast food or alcohol, eliminating it from my diet. You know, I, I, I'm not vegan, but I do eat vegan. Mm-hmm. I try to eat much clean as much as possible, more fruits, more vegetables, a lot, a lot of water. I'm a diabetic, so I don't eat, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I got to drink a Diet Coke, I will. Or, yeah. you know, if I get the body armor, it's the it's the sugar-free joint or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I know it's blasphemous to say this in South Louisiana, but I get some unsweet tea in a minute. Yeah. I get unsweet tea. I just get a splash of lemonade. That's like my pops. Us, just you know what I'm saying, yeah. but like like and I, I preach this man because, you know, we do every single drug that 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 that, that uh that's in America damn that, that 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 future raps about yeah you know and these young dudes who you know when I was coming up niggas smoke weed and that's it the killers might have smoked a little because I grew up with niggas gang bang right yeah so niggas so killers might smoke, smoke some serum sticks but like these these you know black kids wasn't and popping it's like pills wasn't drinking yeah right no. niggas, niggas was drinking. 
or whatever, and, and smoking weed. Now niggas, so it's like, I can't remember the exact stat, but they're saying how like, because hip hop, hip hop is only forty seven, no forty six years old, right? Hip hop is only forty six years old, but they're saying at the beginning of the hip hop generation were people born in nineteen sixty five, right? So hip hop is not old enough to die of old age yet. Yeah, but but they're saying how like I want to say like forty eight percent, no fifty one percent of people who have died in hip hop was from murder, and like forty five percent was from health issues. And then, you know, other people like car wrecks and shit like that, yeah. right? But, like, you know, Combat Jack to Prodigy to Fife Dog yeah. to, you know, people in their 40s and 50s dying of what could be preventable illnesses, right? And, you know, that's because when they first started giving niggas millions of dollars, like, niggas was still snorting cocaine, smoking weed with crack in it, sipping mad 40s, eating bad or whatever, right? And so it might sound corny for me to say this to young rappers to where when... Just like the private prison industry has, um, just like the private prison industry has money into the music industry, like I want to say the the record label that Future signed to has money uh, dealing with the pharmaceutical industry. I could believe it. Like that. I, was I, I, I can't. You know what? I, I'm history major, so I, I like not to. I don't like to say stuff without like Being sources. About it. Yeah. But like, I, I want to be. I want to say I can find that right. You know what I'm saying? Just like for instance, long story short, um. Guess who bought went right before Jenny Juice came out or whatever. But guess who bought uh, d- uh, guess who brought interest in Death Row? Oh, I uh, Gin and Juice, the, the liquor Seagrams. company. Yep, now I got me some Seagram's Gin. <laughs> they brought interest, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, it's just the, it's the same thing, right? And so, and so, you can see with the fast food industry how they you won't find a Mc, for example, Lafayette, no McDonald's stays open 24 hours. The only McDonald's that stay open 24 hours are in poor communities where they have. High black percentage and a lot of low class white people, and they just they like that the fast food industry. I don't think discriminates in the sense of race. I think they discriminate in the sense of wealth, and they try to keep poor people fat, but right. specifically black people. For yeah, sure. absolutely. They, and they put them in they put them in you know food deserts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like in Baton Rouge, no Baton Rouge. There, you can't get fresh food, and and, I, and ironically, there's no hospitals. Mm. If you get shot in Scotlandville, shit, you better have a fast car. Cause you got to make it all the way to our lady of the lake in off of blue bonnet. You feel what I'm saying? So, so, so it deals with the song, you know, it deals with self care. So right for, for me, music and working out and my children, that's yeah. been myself. Cause I take care of myself or whatever. So, um, physical health and mental health are very, it's, it's, it's all a part of like, even on black guy fresh, I say, uh, fuck it. I'm gonna do it all. I'm here first in the struggle. So for self care, I'm a ball. Yeah. I've been struggling, nigga. I've been, I've been working with these kids. I got a headache. Fuck it tonight, nigga. Ball. <laughs> I got 200 ones. What's out? Yeah. It's my self-care. You feel me? Yeah. So, yeah. But that's that's important as well. And I think that this this song right here, just for what you talked upon, I really like this song because it that's something that we need to build as a community of look into physical health and mental health. Right. Track 11. What made you put track 11 in? I thought it was, thought it was a very interesting track. Uh, just in the sense of the feds watching and in the in the uh, with Fofine representing the representing so if, uh, if, one if, of the white cops notice, another one. If you notice on the project, and you'll see it. So on the first song, I say, and if the feds watch, I'm gonna be fresh as hell. You know, like like two, like uh like two chains say, I'm gonna be fresh as hell. If the feds watching, so like I said on the first song, if the feds watch, I'm gonna be fresh as hell. Um, so now we're getting into the story, right? Because yeah, I got now, now, now we get into the story. So, 
um, I give you my thesis at the beginning. I mm-hmm. give you the, the the strong introduction, right? And um, even a black guy fresh, I'm exactly what they fear because I keep it trill. Yeah, you know what I'm saying because I have this particular message, right? And so now we get to the story to where um, there's a meeting, right? To there's a meeting to to surveil Marcel P. Black because he's you know active in the community. He's working with these kids. He's trying to politicize or organize these young dudes or whatever. And you know what I'm saying? The things are going. So I originally recorded that, right? And I tried to I tried to rap. I tried to rap in my, you know, country as white guy accent I possibly could. And then the second verse, you know, I tried to rap with the deepest voice I can. Yeah. I'm a big dude. And I don't naturally talk with a deep voice. <laughs> so it sounded like trash, right? So um so 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 what what's happening on the song is there's like a conference call or a meeting. I don't know. I got to figure out for the video. But like now we're talking about, okay, more the gentleman, tell me how we're doing. It's like a guy who's like a police officer, a field agent, and he's checking in with all these people like, yo, Marcel P. Black is really causing a problem. We're trying to do something. We're trying to whatever, whatever, whatever. And so one guy who's a black person, like I told you, we've been talking about the FBI. Yeah. We've been talking about feds. We've been talking about, if, if, uh, we talking about um, uh, 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 informants the whole yeah. time. This guy's volunteering to be an informant, yeah. right? And so, shout out to my man False Fiend. When I was thinking, like, damn, like I can't do this. I need somebody to write to 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 rap this. My man False Fiend, you know what I'm saying, from West Baton Rouge, and he's like, I said, man, I need you to I need you to do this. I need you to sound like a white rapper. He's like, so he did a New York City beat cop. He did that was a Southern Sheriff cop, which y'all heard. Yeah. He did like some. He did his verse, which is he's very eclectic. He did like he sent me like four different takes. I said, okay, I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the, the Southern Sheriff thing, right? And my man Shin, who's from North Baton Rouge, he got the that's his natural talking voice. Oh, real? He got a deep and like voice. and like he he changed some of the words I use, but he nailed it. So I wrote them words, you know what I'm saying? I wrote nah, the verses. That shit, but like, but like just just because, but and, and it's the way he, the way Jay Phillips sent me the beat. He sent me the beat, and it go it starts right. Sixteen bars and the beat switches, and I want to say the song was called like Quarter Journey. He sent it to me it's like called. Quarter journey. It mm-hmm. just sounded like a, it sounded like a some type of agency discussion or whatever. It works so well in the story, and this is like I, I like, in the beginning it sounds like you're just doing. You're not necessarily storytelling. And like in the beginning, it's like like I said, you're setting out the groundwork for the thing, and then we get to this part. It's like now we're telling this story. Right. So now you use every all the themes in the beginning to to connect to the story. So if you didn't get the layman's terms, you may catch it through this story. Right, ab- absolutely. And I thought that was a beautiful mirrorization like, of and, it. And like and so just get getting into like the last part of the project, the last third of the project, like I've been a youth development worker for 17 years at this point. Um a person who was definitely grew up around people who was Crips and Bloods and you know what I'm saying and my father's juvenile probation worker. Uh, my mother was a social worker, you know what I'm saying? So it's like being around young people who might have made some mistakes, whatever, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. like me personally, like, you know, so from teaching chess to teaching social studies to being a paraprofessional at charter schools with terrible behavior to being a mental health counselor for me running the after school hip hop university and just some of my family members, like I've had a lot of experience having conversations with young people trying to kind of help get their shit together. Yeah. And so... What you're hearing is conversations based on it's a composite mm, of okay. a lot of different people. That makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So like it's been times to where it's just like like at the end at the end of this particular song, you hear me say like uh like if you notice, every single time I'm talking on the phone, you hear that filter on there. Yeah. 
because the fans are listening. Mm, okay, I got it now. And so, so like, um, so transitioning from fans watching is Lord knows. Did, did you get shot at the end of that? That's not me getting shot. Okay, I was wondering who so got we, shot. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm explaining whatever. So like, all right, so we're going into Lord knows. And so it's been times where it's just like, I told a young person to watch who he's hanging with. Yeah. And somebody was like, he out there with them dudes right now. And that conversation what I had with them, and it's like, you know, I've done asset-based work to where I didn't use that type of language. Mm-hmm. And then I've done deficit-based work. I'm working with some some young boys that'll do you something if they don't respect your mind. Yeah. And the only thing they respect is if you talk to them like a nigga in the streets. And so this is me telling this dude, like, say, bro, like, my nigga, you about to get, like, this is fucked up what you doing and the things that you doing to the people that you around, it goes against everything that you promised me that we would be doing. doing yeah. We talked about doing this, but this is what you're doing. Like, you got to do better. Like, you got to want more for yourself. Like, if we go back to school, you got to chap. You know what I'm saying? You got to jit. Like, we got we to gotta make sure that, you know, and, and look who's around. You know what I'm saying? And so, on the song, I'm talking to him, and I talk about, like, informants. And to me, mm-hmm. to me, that was, that's when later I thought about 6 9 Okay. Like, you know, I wouldn't think about it at the time because time, yeah. this is before all this shit happened. But that's when I thought, I was like, damn, that's 6 9 right there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like these 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 devils being put snitches in the hood. You know what I'm saying? From or whatever, you know, from William O'Neill all the way to Sub. Black Panthers of Death Row. We need to watch out who we, who we put up on the block. It does make sense with this one. Not that a lot of You know what I'm saying? Like, like we, we have to be careful. Like, man, and I ain't saying like, see, this is my thing, bro. People always, I saw a meme a couple weeks ago. It had like, you know, black, it said black men have a whole bunch of dudes in suits. And it said niggas. And they had like, you know, dudes paying sagging with guns. If the revolution come, I need these niggas with me. <laughs> yeah. No disrespect to Carlton Banks. But if I get Marlo from the wire to put his, his beef aside or whoever, the, the, the little boys on the wire, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Michael and them. If I, if I can get them politically minded, that's what we need. Because it's a thin line between gangs and revolutionary. Right, you know what I'm saying? If you like, so those are the people who you know they they say it's better to, it's easier to um, repair young men, young boys than broken men. Mm-hmm. So it's these kids on these corners who I'm concerned about, yeah. boys and girls. Right, most of my work has been with most of my work has been with boys. You know what I'm saying? Because you know I'm a big black nigga. They put me with the trouble, young boys. Yeah. Right, but young women too. You know what I mean? But like, the, these are the people that that we need. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day. And a lot of them, because we overlook them, we don't talk to them, we just kind of ignore them. A lot of times, they more scared of us than anything else. They more scared of us. They, cause, because they think that if I say something wrong, you're going to judge me. Yeah. So you got to have them conversations with them. Like, when I used to go, you know, see my kids when, as a counselor, I go dress like this. If I come in a suit, ain't nothing about hearing nothing I got to say. Ain't about to listen to. But I'm just like you. I come from the same place you've been through. Been through some of the same shit. I understand. I relate to you. And that and that's what we got to do. Like like so we so at this point, I'm literally this person who I'm dealing with, trying to find the black messiah. And so like, you know, on Fed's watching, this guy is volunteered to surveil me and Lil T because he heard Lil T selling weed. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to the dude or whatever. Boom 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 boom. As I'm leaving, you know what I'm saying? I gotta leave. Somebody gets shot. Right, mm-hmm. boom. So we go. I'm so I'm taking over your transition. No, no, go ahead. Because right, this so, this is just what I wanted to get for the end, just to talk about right, this, right, right, the right. story in the end. Right, boom. So so now so now do get shot. I come back to the hood, and I'm talking to a person, mm-hmm. and I'm and saying this track thirteen. Right this track here. thirteen called Until Then, produced by Tez, 
and I'm talking to this person, and you know that song is, uh, the flump using his juveniles, uh, ghetto children. Okay. Until then, I'm gonna be thugging behind a pride. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm so I, I flipped that top of until then or whatever. And the hook is from uh, my night is gonna die with juvenile, one of my favorite rappers, right? Okay. So man, I heard about the da 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 da. You know what I'm saying, yeah. right? So I'm talking to the young dudes, and now it's like. So, I'm, so the last time I seen these group of kids, I'm fussing at them. Mm-hmm. Like, y'all niggas be careful because these niggas is ops out here. Blah, 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 blah. Y'all fucking up your own neighborhood. And so now the tone is a little different because one of the homies got shot. Mm, you're trying to give compassion. And so now it's like I'm being more empathetic. Like, look, bro. Like, why are we out here beefing with these other niggas? Why this crooked ass up to trying to kill us? These school system is fucking with us. Blah, 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 blah. You have all... If you, have, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to build them back up. I'm yeah. trying to talk to them. Because I had to fuss at them last time. But it ain't, it ain't time for that right now. So it's like, you know, but this is who I'm going to be. Regardless of if I'm being chased and followed by the police, blah, 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 blah. Still gonna do this it. is the reason why I'm on this earth as a man and as an artist, right? So now we, we're talking... So now we're talking about things that are like... It's really close to me. Mm-hmm. Just as close as me, me talk about my mother, this is the work that I've been doing as a youth development worker. Yeah, for fifteen plus years, you know what I'm saying. So these particular songs are really close to me, or whatever. So now we get to the last song, and this song was influenced by, um, about a year ago, almost, almost, yeah, that was I was in, I think I was in North Carolina when I got the call. But I had a younger cousin; he's probably about ten years younger than me. Uh, his his mother's my first cousin, and you know. A young guy going to the club, he had them hands, you know what I'm saying, blah, Shit blah, blah, happened, and yeah. he was he was doing some things that, you know, he could have, I'll say this, if I know, because I, I, I'm i trying not to, I don't want my, my cousin and his aunties be mad at me, by no means my saying my cousin was a bad person, but I think we all knew he was doing some things we wish he wouldn't have been doing. He was just in some situations. Right, 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 and, you know, and some of the company he kept wasn't the best company. Yeah. Right? So he gets into a fight at the club, right? So before I, the last time I seen him, it was for my little cousin's graduation party. And, you know, tatted up, slugged up, eyes low. But this is my little baby cousin. So every time I seen him, it was all love and, you know, big cousin, big cousin, big cousin. Yeah. And I kind of saw, like, looking at the social media, some things he was into, and I wanted to talk to him. But I didn't because I didn't think he would listen. Mm-hmm. And, like, and honestly, outside the music, I haven't even told, like, his aunties or his, his his mother just, but like, I really feel bad about that. You wish you would have had that conversation? I wish I would have had the conversation. And so now, what we learned on the last song over is that the person who I mentored had got murdered. Mm. And so now, I'm with the family at the funeral and I'm sitting next to the mother. Now, 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 now my, my cousin didn't have any kids, so this is a, you know, this is kind of a story, or whatever. But I'm sitting next to the mother. I'm sitting next to the little brother who looks up to him. Yeah. And you know, his girlfriend who we found out was pregnant. Mm. And they asked me to speak at the funeral. And this is about that conversation you could have had. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if 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 I would have talked to him just a bit longer, would he understand how much he had to offer? But now he's in the coffin and his girl is crying because she's pregnant with his daughter. Yeah. And his mama want me to say something. And so like. So it's it's heavy. Now I could have I could have went like a happy level after type ending. No, but this it, it But 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 impact. I specifically wanted to like end it on a more somber note because a lot of times we see people who might die to black on black gun violence blah 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 or cuz you know it's still kind of ambiguous was he murdered by somebody else that was black 
mm-hmm. that it had nothing to do with. I'm, I'm, like as far as the story, was he murdered as a result of this fed this, this an informant? Yeah. Was he murdered by? We, we don't know. Y'all don't. You know. That, but 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 I, but I wanted to say like, regardless, man, like. These young boys who we throw away because they might get murdered over some shit that might look gang related or drug related, that could have been the person that we would have had a conversation with them and invested in their fucking future. Could have been, could have been the, the one Messiah. that could save us all. Yeah, no, I. It doesn't matter who killed them at the end of the day. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's the fact that we didn't do enough. I didn't do enough. You don't do enough. If you see a young boy here walking with his pants sagging, whatever. Look, man. Come here, man. Yeah. What's up? How you doing today? Just ask him how you doing. Just treating them with respect. Let me tell you, bro. So, I'm having the same conversation at the end of my listening party, right? And everybody's like, and I'm saying like, look, we can't, we got to look past all the tattoos. We got to look past the dreads and the baggy shirts. Or if she's twerking on the Instagram, we got to look past that, right? These yeah. are still human beings. These are still African people. These are still people who have the potential to get us free if, if put in the right circumstance, right? So, and so I'm so the listening party's over. I pack it on my table. I see this young dude. He pulled up on a bicycle. Baggy pants, white t-shirt, dreads, tatted up, light-skinned cat. He comes in. He was like, hey, how y'all doing? He said, hey, where I know you from? So we talked. I ain't a big buddy. Okay, boom, boom, boom. We talking. He said, look, so I hate to, I hate to bother y'all. He was like, uh, I just got home from jail. I'm trying to sell this iPhone. He was like, I need $18 so I can get a, a ID so I can start applying for jobs. He's like, you know what I'm saying? I've been applying for jobs, but I got a felony and no ID. He was like, I, I can't do nothing. You know what I'm saying? I just came off from a weapons charge. I said, okay, cool. And something on my heart told me, you know, people ask homeless people or whatever, people ask for money all the time. Yeah. But something just told me, if I don't give this young man the time of day, it, fuck contradicting what I said in terms of in front of these other people. Yeah, no. In like, my heart of hearts. Yeah, you're going to feel bad about that. In my heart of hearts. If I don't give this man the time of day, this whole album is capped. Everything I'm telling you about what the Black Messiah, who it could be, and what circumstances it come from, that shit is all cap. So I'm like, all right, boom, everybody leaves. I slide them a 20. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Excuse me. So I slide them a 20. We get to chopping it up. Super respectful. He keeping his head down. You can tell the kid's hungry. Mm-hmm. Like, 22 years old. Um, He's like, hey, man, look. I've been riding all day. I'm hot and I'm tired. Do you have like a truck or something? Like, what you mean? He was like, could you give me a ride home? I said, can I trust you? Yes, sir. I said, look, I got a wife and kid, dog. Yeah. I'm going home. So I gave you some money. You've been real respectful. But like, can I trust you? Yeah. He was like, why would I hurt you? You just gave me $20. I was like, if you need $20... If you ain't got $20, he's like, I just want to ride home. Prayed about it. Lord said, bring him home. Okay. Get in my car. I talk to him. He tell me a story. Blah, 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 blah. And I ain't going to go into everything he told me, but I was touched by it. So when I get off a tour, I try to help this man get a job. Yeah. Get a place to live. You know what I'm saying? Like I I can't I can't really commit to it right now because I leave a tour less than two weeks. Yeah, be, and that's where all my brain is right now. This album and this tour. But when I get back from tour, you know I'm I'm keeping contact with him. And if he's serious about doing something better in his life, because that because so my friend texted me was like, I'm gonna call you in thirty minutes to make sure you straight. Everybody was looking like, who you giving this random ass nigga ride home? Yeah. Now mind you, being a mental health counselor, bro, I've had clients that kill people before. I didn't I didn't I didn't I didn't 
like I said, took the, I had I had one of my youngest about to get six years for like some 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 serious pretty serious crimes. I had to take the stand as a character witness. Yeah. Like I said, I done pulled kids out of trap houses. You know, so when I was younger, whatever. So me, my daddy was the same. We was a juvenile probation officer. So me working with kids who might have made some mistakes wasn't nothing new. But I felt the level of peace. Because I felt like, for me, I'm only going to move if with with pure and genuine intentions. Yeah. Right? And I feel like I will always be, you might be my naive or whatever, but I feel like if I do things with the pure and genuine intentions in heart, that I'm always going to be taken care of. And so, so I gave him a ride home, and I'm going to try to work with him. And, and so my friends was like, man, you wild for doing that. I said, that could have been the Black Messiah. He was like, mm. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. And so, and so, so like with the album, and once again, at the, at the end of the album, like while I'm, so the first verse, you know what I'm saying? They called me up to say something at the funeral. The choir song sings, and that's the hook or whatever. And then the second part of the verse, you know what I'm saying? The second half of the verse, the song, whatever. Now, while I'm up here, I'm kind of expanding what I mean about Black Messiah again. Yeah. Well, it, because I I I really kind of Giving bring home I kind thoughts. of bring home what I mean about when I'm questioning what is a black heaven. Yeah. And so once we redefine what black God is, what a black heaven is, we can talk about what God on earth, what heaven is on earth. And so it ain't got to be this perfect pristine figure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It could be a former drug addict or a single baby mother. You know what I'm saying? It could be anybody. Yeah. It could be, it can be, and like, you know, when that when that kid came up to me, I was like, this guy talking to me. It's deeper. Yeah. It's this 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 is this is me questioning my faith and what I believe in. You know what I'm saying? It's, and so like it's just to test you, yeah. It's no. just testing me to see if I'm really about it or whatever. So, you know, I mean, so the album is 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 Man, that story is the perfect way to to close that because that's crazy, to right? Me. Like, that's how it happened. Like just how when just how when you doing things, the universe, God, whatever you may believe, if you listen to this pod, I'm not trying to tell you what to believe, but absolutely. What, but what puts you? It puts you in that situation to where to a see if what she's talking is real, and then if you do it, you don't know the blessings that come from that absolutely. to you into that young man. I, I always tell people, man, like I have rappers. Who get jealous? They diss me. They blah 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 blah. Or like, there's no rapper in the history of Baton Rouge. Somebody as it pertains to underground hip hop. If you're born in Baton Rouge or a transplant, there's no person who has put on more rappers than me, booked more rappers, took my rappers on tour over the last 15 years. Right? Nobody. Point blank. Period. Right? Niggas don't show no reciprocity. Yeah. But I don't get my wings from man. Hmm. Yeah, you don't ask for you're not doing that for them. For I'm not doing that for them. I get my wings from doing things with pure intention, wholesome, genuine intention. I make mistakes. I've made mistakes. I've treated people wrong. I'm a human being or whatever. But when I get to heaven, I pray it's on these good deeds I'm doing. Yeah, you know, because it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know what I'm saying? So for me, that's what this album is about, man. It's 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 about it's about sacrificing who I am. And the things I could have, and understanding that, like, I was telling my friend, uh, well, whatever. I believe that my worth will be determined by what I do for God and other people. That's a good way to live. And and, and, it's, and, and once again, it goes back to consistency. <laughs> I love how we tied that back into the. From it the goes back to consistency. It's, it yeah. goes back to that's that's what that's what's gonna that's that's my purpose at thirty six years old as a as a, as a as a loving husband and father of two. With be it as a youth development worker, be it as an artist, be it in the music industry, 
whatever thing I do. You know what I'm saying? If I can, if I can, if I can do things, if I can act out God in heaven's uh, 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 desires on earth and help other people, I'm only going to be blessed. Yeah. And I'm only going to be, I'm, I'm creating heaven on earth. For you. With the people around me, you yep. understand what I'm saying? No, I get you. And so, and so a lot of people are you the black messiah? Like, no, it's not up to me. No, yeah. If 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 I'm 80 years old or whatever, like, well, God forbid, I get martyred or something, and other people say that about me, that's what y'all say. I'm a servant. Yeah, I'm a servant because you know I ain't led a revolution yet, but I might find the next person. I might have something on these. You know, this young brother I put out the trap house might be that person. Could My be. cousin who got murdered could have been that person. Who knows? But I had to be consistent in doing this work. Cause you don't know when it could come. You don't know when it could come. You don't. Yeah. You don't know what's going on, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know. So, man, I'm I'm really glad we had this conversation. No, I'm glad we had this conversation. And like, too. And, like, and, like, and like, by the time this by the time this comes out, like, like this is gonna be like a great like, like, like explanation to that. Like, like you know, you know, you used to play the video games. You had like the books. Yeah. This is gonna be the book. The no, one hundred percent. This is this is study guy. You know, for the album. You know, what and I mean? I'm glad we had this conversation. Tell the people where they can find you at on social media. And by the time I know we're doing this a little bit ahead before when the album come out, but tell them where the album they can get the album and everything. October fifteenth, man. Marcelpblack.com, um, Marcelpblack.bandcamp.com on all streaming sites, all digital download sites, Apple Music, your titles, your Spotify's, your Deezers, your. Napsters, wherever, you know what I'm saying? Wherever yeah. you get music, YouTube, I'm put up on SoundCloud as well. But look, I'm going to tell you, y'all, streaming is cool, but buy my shit, please. So go to my website, go to marcelpblack.com, marcelpblack.bandcamp.com. I'm going on tour. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I probably will never do this again, but like, literally, the album drops on the 15th. I'm leaving on the 16th. Uh, You know, I got 12, 12 shows in like 15 days, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Eight different states, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'll be in. Uh, Florida first, Florida, Georgia, um, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, Oklahoma, then Texas, then back here, uh, Louisiana. So if you're in the South and you hear me, man, um, hopefully, you know, we can put up the date and stuff on yeah. the website or whatever. Um, but most importantly, if you're in Lafayette or if you're in the area, you know what I'm saying, I have my album release party for Baton Rouge, November 1st at I'm, Mid-City Ballroom. I'm going to be there. You know what I'm saying? Um I got Novelist who's on the album. He's gonna be here flying in from Detroit. I got D Hoard who's coming in from Atlanta. He's on the album, whatever. I tried to get big sign, but we just kind of fell out of communication, whatever. Yeah. Um, I can't afford Sky Zoo. I just can't. You know what I'm saying? He dropped a joint with Pete Rock, so I can't afford that. Or whatever. <laughs> but I got John Teller. You know what I'm saying? Who's doing something out here in Lafayette as well? And I got my man from Made Groceries, Molly Sincere. So let be on the, on, the, on the ones and twos. But like, y'all can pull up, man. Like this album is is by far my best work. You know, people say that all the time. But like, I put. You can tell of, you put heart into this. I put heart into this man, yeah. and I, I mean, like I said, like this is like, it's a grown man album for me. You know what I'm saying? I, I've made other albums within my adulthood, but like I would say, this is probably the most mature album I've put, well thought out, and I have to credit that a lot to like, uh, sobriety and diet. My mind is clearer. I feel better about myself. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel better about everything, and um. I'm just really happy, man. I'm, I'm really happy with it. Like, this is my, like, this is tw- this is project number 12. My second project this year. Real. Tw- 12 projects. I, this is my fourth album. I got 80 EPs. And I, I put out my first ever solo project November 18, 2008. So, so under 11 years, 12 projects. 
That's a career. Working. And working. so like it's still working. And I've put out some great bodies of work, but this right here. This is the one. This this is this is I ain't gonna say this is my make it or break it album, but literally, like everything I have. Like like I full disclosure, I lost my job mid July, middle of tour. Like budget cuts, blah, 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 blah. And like, so the last three months, being an artist has been my full time job. Finishing this album, put literally from the time I drop my kids off at school till I go to bed at night. This album, everything has been put in to this album. And, you know, of course, doing what I got to do in the meantime to make yeah. money, make sure I pay the bills. And I've been blessed. I've been blessed. But everything has been me going into this album. And giving it to this thing. Giving it to this album. And I'm going and I'm, to and rock it until the wheels fall off. I ain't one of the people who put something out and just stop pushing it. Yeah. Y'all make sure y'all go buy his project at MarcelPBlack.com. Buy it. Marcel P. Black Bandcamp. Y'all go buy his album. Support this brother. Because this, if you have listened to this conversation and didn't take anything from it, you weren't listening well enough. And if you don't understand his story after this, then you weren't listening well enough because... After hearing this, there's no way I can't support this brother because <laughs> the message is pure. Like he said, he comes with pure and genuine intentions, and I really like what he's what he's doing. And I like the album itself on a music level, and I like the meaning behind the, the album on a spiritual and mental level. Thank you so much, Marcel, for coming on. I appreciate the pod. you, man. Thank you for having me. No, man. anytime, my brother. Next time you do this, we're gonna have to get you back here because I, because like I said, I really enjoyed this conversation. Let me kick it. To Lyndon to close out this podcast with Bros Who Ball. Once again, want to thank Marcel P. Black for coming on the pod. Really enjoyed talking about his album, In Search of the Black Messiah. Like he said, go buy his album. Go to his Twitter at Marcel P. Black. The links will be there. He said the link earlier in the pod. Buy his album. Don't stream it. Support this man. He is independent artist, and he has it up for where it can be purchased, at his band camp or at his website. It, it helps more for these artists if you pay for their music. So go support Marcel B. Black and be sure to catch him out in concert. But you guys know what that time is. It's time for Bros Who Ball. Julian hasn't been here in a while. Schubert, I've already introduced him. Let me introduce Julian. Julian, how you doing today, my brother? Oh, I'm doing great. Haven't been here in a while. Ready to get started. I know, <laughs> I know you got a lot on your mind. We may be talking China LeBron at the end of all of this. <laughs> but... <laughs> Before we get to any of that, let's start off with a little bit of college football just to get a little update for those fans, those fans out there. I'm going to start with Schubert. Schubert, what have you been seeing from this college football landscape? Just give me your quick overall takes as at week – we're going into week four. I mean well, week hope, seven. Yeah, we're talking about week seven, but hopefully in week eight, the start of week eight, the Jags, you know, bring home the belt. It's, pro- it's probably over and done with by now, but – that's what I'm hoping for. But last week, we had the Red River rivalry, of course, to start the morning. Jalen Hurts cementing himself as a, you know, good quarter, great quarterback in the Big 12, good quarterback in all of the spectrum of college football, NFL prospects, kind of all illuminated by that game. Oklahoma kind of cementing themselves as the Big 12 power. They could coast through if they wanted to. Baylor looks to be like a big force. I I'm wondering when that matchup is. Uh, of course, the big upset was Georgia losing yeah. to South Carolina, so that kind of shakes things up now. Georgia, I never thought was going to be a team that made the playoff anyway. I just thought that they were the best in the East and would take care of that, but they do couldn't. You think, do you think they still make it to the SEC championship in the East? I don't know. I mean, it just depends on how both teams roll into that game in Jacksonville when Florida and Georgia meet up. 
for the cocktail party because you know with rivalry games you never know so the both teams go in there with a loss winner you know even if florida win loses they still have a chance to go to the sec championship so it's kind of a weird situation and then hiding in the in the shadows over here is a five and one missouri yeah i was looking at missouri could shake things up as well but that's the east and the east is irrelevant because the only thing that matters is the sec west alabama took care of texas a&m easy business but the big news of that weekend of that afternoon was wisconsin blowing out michigan state wisconsin looks like a real team I think their matchup with Ohio State, not this week, but next week, is going to be a big determinant, determination of who's playing in the playoff and in the national title game itself. Now, my and question, that, let's, uh, I want to I stop you right there, and I'm going to ask you a question, then I'll jump over to Julian to talk Florida LSU. How real is Wisconsin? From what you've seen, do you think they have a legitimate shot at beating Ohio State? Of course I do. Like, I think Wisconsin's definitely a team – like, they're showing in this game right here with Michigan State, who, yes, maybe they look like they don't have the greatest offense, but before they came into that Ohio State game, LaWork was leading the Big Ten in passing yards. So, I mean, they were a team that could put up some offense, enough offense to score some points uh, against a, the, a Wisconsin team. But I think their defense really is the real deal. They didn't let anybody score the first three games of the season. Uh, they didn't let Michigan score but a little bit. And they shut out Michigan State here. I mean, their defense looks real. And then I think that they have one of the best players in all of college football with Jonathan Taylor. So they have the the tools to be a playoff team. 100%. Julian, let's jump to you. I want to ask you because uh, last time you were on, you you posed the question of LSU's defense and the running game. I want to ask you, did those questions get answered in LSU versus Florida? Those questions did not get answered in LSU versus Florida. I knew LSU would win considering that Florida's on their second-string quarterback. And, you know, he he wasn't bad, but Florida's offense isn't nearly as good as LSU. Florida has a good defense, even though, well, uh, I don't know if I could say that now, but LSU is great on offense. I'll tell you what I saw from LSU on offense. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 134 yards rushing for 11 rushes. So he averaged, like, 10 yards, 10 to 11 yards a carry. So initially, you look at the stat sheet and say, oh, that's good. But if you watch the game, he just had some big breakout runs because they passed the ball so well. So the problem that I saw was this. People look at the defense and they got scored on easy. If you look at the time of possession, Florida almost doubled the time of possession that LSU had. LSU had the ball for about 20 minutes and Florida had the ball for 40. So like 21, 39, something like that. So let's just say 20, 40. So Florida doubled the time of possession on LSU. Any other instance other than that game, any other time that a team doubles the time of possession than another team, they win. And it's usually by a decent margin. So Florida, the way way LSU scored was LSU, they went up the field, they did a few short passes, they made a decently long throw, and they would score in two minutes. Like really two, two to three minutes they would score. Florida got on the field and marched down the field ran out the clock, and wore out the LSU defense. There's no reason that LSU's defense should have been on the field for 40 minutes, especially a good defense like that. But whenever the offense is scoring so quickly, you don't give your defense time to rest. Now, I give it to Florida's coach, Dan, uh, Dan Mullen. He's a very good coach. He knew what he was doing, marching it up the field. He had the quarterback run the clock down, you know, five seconds, four seconds, or whatnot. Every time Joe Burrow snapped the ball, he was snapping at 15 and 20 seconds. 
And I'm sitting there thinking like, hey, I, look, I know, I know they want to, you know, get that fast, high power thing going like Oregon did back in the day when they had Chip Kelly and try to blow everybody out with the high powered offense. But Oregon's defense during that time, Oregon had a really fast defense, maybe faster than LSU. But LSU has a big defense. They're built for the SEC. Oregon had a small defense built for the Pac-12. So they could go on and withstand taking a lot of minutes. LSU's defense, the size that they have, they're not built for that. That's why you see them cramping up all the time. So I still think LSU should – no, if LSU loses a game, the only game they would lose to lose is Alabama. But they should blow out everybody else. But I, I still feel strong that they just need to slow down a little bit on offense and give their defense a little bit of rest. Like, I know that's a – I know that's a really good defense. They just they're just worn out because they're on the field so much. That's and that's my take on it. And you could see that with how they performed. And I thought, like you said, Clyde had some great breakout runs. But do they have that that, that Run the moment? Middle. Yeah, where they can where they can Control slowly method. Like for example, uh, Joe Brady came from the Saints. The Saints play high pace when they want, but at, at at a certain time, they can start slow, slow the game down to a standstill and run the ball every time with Kamara or switch it up with uh, uh, Latavius Murray. So can LSU bring that with Clyde Edwards-Alario, Tyrion Davis-Price, and John Emery Jr.? That's less yet to be seen. But I must say I have to give him, Clyde Edwards-Alario, credit because when he did get the chance to run, he made some things happen. So I think that's a decent sign as well as the offensive line looked a- – looked its best it's probably did all season but I do agree with you I do think that defense was on the field too much in some some way or fashion the uh the offense is going to have to help the defense in that situation because the time of possession was was insane but let's jump to they, the they, ha- they have real quick they have a gimme game coming up with Mississippi State but I think the really interesting game coming up before the Alabama game is that Auburn game in two weeks I'm scared you of know? that one Seeing I'm how they get, like, I don't, I wouldn't be, if I was an LSU fan, I wouldn't be scared of losing the game, but it would be really interesting to see how close the game is. Because if Auburn, I don't think Auburn has the offense to be able to put up enough points against LSU to win, because I think LSU still is going to score at least two touchdowns. I don't think Auburn can score a touchdown and a half, but, mm. but Auburn's defense is good enough to contain LSU. They're the best defense in the country, in my opinion, Auburn's defense. Uh, next to Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin's might be, and if next to that, Ohio State. But you know, Auburn's defense is going to give LSU an interesting look. This is the first time they're going to have to play against a really power defense. But I don't know if Auburn's offense is going to put enough pressure on them. So that's that's what's interesting about that game. Like if Auburn's offense can put enough pressure on LSU, then that's the first pressure situation that they got to deal with. Luckily, it's at home for them. But yeah, and that's a good, good test for, for Tuscaloosa. That's a good test for Tuscaloosa. Yeah. That'll get you ready for. But let's jump to the NFL. We got a lot to discuss when it comes to the NFL. Man, so my thing that I want to start off with is I got to give Schubert his credit because he called the Browns early, early in the season, man. I I picked them the as a wild still card. I don't know. I don't know if they're making the wild card. They're 2-4. and four. We still have 10 games to go, but by the by the way it's looking – the Ravens still have a shot. The Steelers are, are pushing close up to them. I don't know if they'll push. You think that the Steelers will make playoffs? No, 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 no. I'm, no, I'm talking about in their division. And they're, the way that other teams are playing, like the Texans, the um, the Colts, the other teams in the AFC, the I think Raiders. there's the Raiders. There's teams that'll make. Raiders, the, yeah. there, there's teams that'll make the wild card before the Browns. So I just want to give 
you your props on that before we even get started because the Browns they've just been letting me down and it's it's Baker Mayfield. It goes back to he's 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 thrown more interceptions than touchdowns this season. I, I don't know if I can blame the offensive line anymore. Julian, I want to go to you just for your thoughts on the Brown. Is it because at, at this point, do we start to blame Baker? Oh, now you do. Look, at first, look, I'm, I was going to ride by Baker. I already made my decision. I'll still ride by him. Same, said, me too. My, my first, our first podcast on here together, I said with Baker, I said he's going to go through a sophomore slump. A lot of quarterbacks do it. They got enough tape on him. He's going to struggle this year. If he's doing the same next year, then he's a complete bust. But I still have a little faith in him. But right now, that loss last Sunday was on Baker because we said they were passing the ball too much. They weren't running enough. They started running. They've been doing well. Nick Chubb had, like, 26 rushes for, like, 134 yards. He ran the ball well. The receivers played well. Freddie Kitchens coaching wasn't even off. What You know, it wasn't even terrible. But Baker's decision-making towards the end, I think he threw two picks. He threw three. Uh, he threw three, three picks. I saw one of them. Yeah. So two of them were deflected, though. You know, one so of, hate, one, one of them you give it one. one of you know. them I give it to him. But, uh, yeah, they scored all their points early. And then they just couldn't score anymore. And that Seattle defense isn't good. They have, like, no. two good defensive players and a bunch of duds. So, you know, I would put that loss on Baker. He has a lot to learn. Like, people thought, like Shoop said, people thought the Browns would be so, you know, you got to, it takes time, man. You don't just come up one day and just do great, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, and then especially with all the just the shit around that team in terms of coaching, the offensive line wasn't really good. That team, that team needs more pieces to fully be that team that we expect them. Oh, all. oh, by the way, that offensive line didn't let up a sack. Baker didn't get sacked last week, and that's last that's week. why, and that's why I, I I said I can't I can't put it on him this week. It's on him. And then last but not least, um, they were missing their top their two starting corners. You know, mm, yeah. Greedy Williams and uh, Denzel Ward. And Denzel Ward's really good. So, you know, it's always something. But for them to be two and four, not it, not a great start. Well, and and the thing is, is they had the lead too. And you can't. Yep. That's that's always the thing when you go into a game and you lose the lead. That's the biggest knock against you right there. I and mean, it wasn't really Russell Wilson. That's, magic. That wasn't even the only game that happened like that. I mean, when you get up, you have to retain the lead. And that's that's what good teams do. It's not yeah. about it's not about uh, getting that lead. It's about maintaining that lead. And like I said, it wasn't it wasn't even due to Russell Wilson magic. He had two touchdowns, but I mean that was more so again in the Browns throwing away that game more so than the Seahawks beating them. I want to jump to Saints Jaguars. It was a tight game, thirteen to six. I think because the Saints signed Zach Zinner, I think Alvin Kamara's injury is a lot worse, worse. Than, than what we were led to believe. I think. He may be out for a longer period of time, but I think he will be fine for the playoffs. The question is, can Latavius Murray, Zach Zinner, and, and Teddy Bridgewater maintain this victory streak that they're on until Breeze comes back? I want to start with you, Schubert. What do you think about the Saints losing Alvin Kamara, signing this new Zach Zinner, and how do we move forward? Uh, I think it's looking bad, but the thing that's good for the Saints is that they had so much Cushion. success with Teddy that yeah. they didn't expect that they could afford to lose the two games before the bye. I, and I really think that they have a shot against Arizona, even with the squad that they're putting out. But, I mean, Chicago's going to be a tough win. I mean, they're playing in Chicago against a really great defense, Saints have a great defense, yeah, too. Yeah, that's my thing. The question is, so can Chicago score against our defense? 
Yeah, so it's going to be one of those boring games like it was when uh, Chicago played Minnesota the other day. I think the the Saints still have a good shot with the group that they have, especially if it ends up being like some kind of weather game and they just have to depend on Latavius Murray power run. I think that it would work out for them pretty well. The question uh, comes when it when it gets down later in the season. That's the question. Yeah, but, well, I think if you give it, you know, this is a good time to give Alvin Kamara that time off. So, I mean, I would, if I were the Saints, I wouldn't play Alvin Kamara the next two games. Yeah, maybe maybe even four, because if Breeze comes back post post by, well, I mean, well, the could, thing he po- the post by, the the thing you got to remember about post by is that's that schedule gets real. It's Falcons, yeah. Bucks, Panthers. Like, you know, you got to you got to have your team ready for that. I mean, you got to maybe decide which one of those games you can afford to lose. Like maybe you're like, OK, at Bucks, we can take that loss. But the two home games against the Falcons, and the Panthers, we have to be we have to win those. That is true. Julian, what do you think? How do you feel the Alvin Kamara injury affects the Saints going forward? And when when would be the right time to bring him back and bring Breeze back? Oh, the Alvin Kamara injury affects the Saints greatly. I mean, he's the real weapon. Him and Michael Thomas are the real weapons on the team. And considering yep. that Michael Thomas doesn't really go that deep, you know, you just can't pass. Saints, Saints are so good at running. You can't pass all the time. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Like I said, I predict that whenever they start, Teddy Bridgewater would start for six games. I said he would go 4-2. and two. He's 4-0 and oh right now. He might go 5-1. and one. I really think y'all will lose to the Bears because it's – Whereas it's at the Bears, right? Yeah, it's in yeah. Chicago. Yeah, it's in Chicago, and they're coming off a bye week. So they're rested and they had time. And they're to, upset from that Raiders loss. From the Raiders loss. They're coming for uh for old Teddy Two Glove. <laughs> they're coming for him. <laughs> but, you know, Teddy Two Gloves. I, That's good. I have a lot of faith in Teddy. I knew he was good. He gets better every week. Like, yeah, people, I'm, people I must say, say. He gets better every week. I don't know why people are surprised that he's doing well. The Saints. He plays so similar to Drew Brees, and you tell people that like, oh, oh, they both they both live off the short pass. They both have a high completion uh, percentage, you know, both high passer rating. They're the same type of quarterback. They do the same thing. Drew Brees is just you know he's Drew Brees is more experienced. You know when the play play breaks down and things like that. But te- but Teddy's very good too. I could see him leading. If Drew Brees couldn't play for the rest of the year, I guarantee you the record that the Saints could have, as in like 12 and 5 or something like that, I believe they could do that with Teddy Bridgewater as well. Yeah. I really don't think there's much of a a let off between the two. I agree with you in a way. I think that it's pretty close. The one thing that I've been aggravated about this week is all the people who are like, oh man, Teddy did so bad. Like this, Teddy this, Teddy that. I don't like Teddy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this guy could start for. The team that you, they just played and make them way better than the than they are right now. I mean, he oh, would make a, a ton yeah. of teams in this league way better, you know. And, and there's a reason and he's why the starting it. quarterback. There's a reason that like the Saints were lucky to retain him. Yeah, there's a reason why we made him one of the highest paid, no, the highest paid backup. And like and like Julie said, he's getting better each week. He just had an off game, and that that's come. But we were talking. Weeks ago, about the Saints going three and one in this time span, for him to go four and zero, oh, that's amazing. So, I think Teddy is okay. I'm not really worried about when we do the Teddy Bridge, uh, the Teddy Breeze switch off. I'm not worried about that. I think what Saints fans need to be paying attention to is the Alvin Kamara injury and how long will he be down. Unlike Schubert, I think in terms of looking in the future schedule, I think the Bears that's a winnable game because I don't believe the offense 
for the Bears wins that game for them. And I don't. Mitch, Mitch Trubisky isn't playing. Just like you know. Oh, and PJ Williams is not going to be there. But yeah, he Mitch, won't. Mitch Trubisky <laughs> is not playing. It's Chase Daniels, so they actually have somebody that can throw the football. That is true. That is true. The, the Bears will be a toss-up. Cardinals, I think we got that. I do not believe in the one in five Falcons. I am sorry. Oh, 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 no, no, no. Y'all always, I'm telling you, do not be surprised if y'all split one. They always come to play, y'all. They could be trash. They will come to play. For some That's reason, what I'm thinking. It's, yeah, it's always. It'll be a close game. I guarantee you, if you think you're about to go blow through the Falcons, I got news for you. That ain't about to happen. Oh, and Drew Brees comes back for that game? Hell no. Drew Brees is trying to rush back. I was reading reports where he's, like, working out super hard and trying to rush back. Dude, he's scared that he's going to lose his job. But you're not going to lose your he job. Shouldn't he shouldn't be. He shouldn't That's what yet. he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. But that's what, Bridgewater's playing very well. And I, Sean Payton probably really likes him. I mean, he probably does. Like him, but still. But, but back to my point. I, I, look, I'm going to go out on a ledge on Julian. I, I think the Falcons are straight dumpster juice this year. And I think the Saints will pull out. The 2-0 and on the Falcons. I'm marking that down on this. Now, Bucks, we have a chance to lose them because we always lose. To, we always split one with them. The Panthers are the real deal with Christian McCaffrey. It'll be a test. Can our defense stop their run? Because they seem like they can run on everybody. So that's a game we have to be worried about. And then we end the season with 49ers, who's a real team. Colts, who's a real team. And then finish the season with the Panthers. I think Alvin Kamara has to be ready no later than the November 24th game against the Panthers. The, what think, I'm thinking, the thing I'm thinking with the Panthers and the Saints is it could easily come down to that Week 17 game on who's going to get home field. That's yeah, I mean, the, with, the way that the Pan, with the way that the Panthers are playing right now. And the Panthers are, are – we're seeing that Kyle Allen is, is pulling them through enough to, to win these games on the backs of Christian McCaffrey. This is the first time since Adrian Peterson that we can say legitimately a running back has carried their team almost to the postseason. This guy's this guy's up for MVP, and we're gonna have a we're gonna have an MVP conversation a little later. But I, I just think out of the remaining of the schedule, the teams that we have to be worried about are the Panthers, the 49ers, the Bears, and the Colts. Those are the games we have to be worried about. I'm not oh, in, the, in that one Buccaneers game. I'm not worried about the Falcons, and I'm not worried about the Titans. The, the I mean, Titans are dumpster juice as well. I mean, I agree with you with Christian McCaffrey, but like, if you even look at the stats from the last game, it's it is a lot of Christian McCaffrey. But I mean, Kyle Allen's still throwing for over two hundred yards, no interceptions. And that's what I'm saying. He he's holding it down. Like when they're, he's the reason why Christian I mean, McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey only had thirty-one yards rushing last week. Yeah, and then he had twenty-six in the uh in over the air. So it's not it's not been his biggest week. So you got to give some credit to Kyle Allen. And I think the the Panthers may be in for a situation of a locker room split in a little bit because supposedly Cam Newton is healthy. I don't see the Panthers going back to Newton, but a controversy, a quarterback controversy is coming. Ron Beer said that Cam doesn't have to rush. Oh, okay. (laughs) He's holding him back. We knew it was done. I got to get to Julian. Julian, your boy, Jared Goff. Oof. Not That's not my boy, but I'll go ahead and shit on him. He had 78 yards passing last (laughs) week. Dude, I'm like, I'm done here. They they gave him $34 million. And they, dude, I know you must have saw my tweet today. The Rams went ahead and got Jalen Ramsey, who I love. I'm a big Florida State fan. He came from Florida State. He would do great on their defense with Wade Phillips, honestly. But their main problem right now, they have the 31st worst offensive line in the league. Yeah. You need need to go get somebody. It don't matter who. They gave up two first round draft picks and a fourth round for Jalen Ramsey. And they're about to have to pay him. Like, what are you thinking? 
It was like back after they built their that team uh, was it two years ago or even last year where they like went out and got Akeem Talib and Marcus Peters and it was like well why are you getting I'm a keep sleeping Marcus Peters when you still need to get offensive line and you still because need this and that. Because offensive line is old as dirt. That's Their the offensive thing. line did fine last year and the year before, and then you know how age gets. It just hits you like a ton of bricks. That's the thing. One of them retired, too. Was well, it Whitworth? No, he, he didn't still, retire. He about to retire. He's, 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 he's about to retire. This is last year. I'll let you know, you know how, how important one offensive – Cleveland traded their best offensive lineman to the Giants. And look, look at the first few weeks of the season, how bad their offensive line is. That wasn't even a topic last year. They have the exact same offensive line minus one person. They got rid of their best one. So if one person on the offensive line makes that big of a difference, I'll give you a better one. Dallas, yeah. they're on a losing streak. They, they lost both of their two tackles, their starting tackles, okay? Zeke can't even run. Dak's getting sacked or getting thrown down. Twenty That whole Jets game, he was on the ground. That's how important offensive linemen are people don't realize one can make that big of a difference and the rams went ahead and gave up two first round draft picks and offensive linemen don't grow on trees by the way went ahead think... and, and got oh, no. two you know and then for man why don't y'all go get you a lineman to go protect your 34 million dollar a year investment and to help Todd Gurley true. run the ball because Todd Gurley's not doing shit they had to play Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson my thing is this you see and, and this was a scared win now move and this has nothing to do with Jalen Ramsey because he's, if not the best cornerback in the league, one of the best. They see that the 49ers are great. They see that the Seahawks are good. They have no shot of, make, of, of getting past no. the 49ers or the Seahawks. I'm sorry. The Rams are missing the playoffs this year. They are. Not yet, not yes. that quarterback. Mm-mm. I want to ask y'all, what do y'all think about the 49ers? How real are they? Do we feel that if they play a good enough defense that Jimmy Garoppolo will harm them? I see. I just think Jimmy's been having some bad games. I think Jimmy will pull through for them. They rely on their run game. We see Kyle Shanahan's calling up great plays, mixing things up, getting his weapons involved. We saw what he did with a Nick Mullins-led offense. So I, I do expect Jimmy G to succeed. But their defensive line is looking like the best defensive line in football. Schubert, I'll toss it to you. Are the 49ers real? I mean, I think they're real enough to make the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to win the Super Bowl, but, like, I th- you know, they play the Redskins this week. That will give them the six wins, and then they have two more games against the Cardinals. Ideally, if you want to get to the playoffs, you have to have nine or ten wins. They're going to get pretty close to nine or ten wins if they can win a couple of games that maybe they shouldn't win or that we wouldn't have expected them to win at the beginning of the season. So, I mean, I think that's something that the Saints need to keep on their radar. 49ers are a team that they need to be worried about when they come to town. Yep. I mean, I think, I, I think 49ers are a team now that everyone looks at their schedule and sees that at the beginning of the year, they were like, San Francisco, okay, we got a shot. And now they're looking at it, and it's like, ooh, I think we have to, like, prepare. But see, San Francisco has a murderer's row coming up. They have still left the Seahawks twice, the Packers, the they have Ravens. The Cardinals twice. No, they, they have the Cardinals and the Seahawks twice. They, okay. have, the, they have the Seahawks twice, the Panthers, the, the uh, Ravens. The Packers, the Saints, I mean, that that's a tough out for them to finish up the season. But they, 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 they play they better than need, we've they expected. They only need four. True, because they're already at 5-0. and oh. That's the thing. If they can get to nine wins, which I think they will, because like you said, they do play the Cardinals, I believe, twice. Twice. So they, they have a shot with that. I want to toss it to Julian. We got to talk Cowboys. What's, I mean, look, y'all playing the Eagles this week. That's probably going to be one of our games that we pick. The, the NFC East is between the Cowboys and the Eagles at this point. This next game is very, very deciding. I don't know if one of those teams will get the wild card like we thought because the NFC has 
very good teams, and other teams probably might make the wild card over them. Julian, yeah. what's up? With, what's up with the Cowboys, man? Y'all are three and three. I mean, Dax, Dak would have got that money. It's not. No, but let me just say, let me just say this: Dak would have got that money after those first three games. I'm blaming the defense for y'all and y'all's coach. Who are you? Uh, I'm gonna go ahead. Uh, I'll blame the coach. Those players looks. If you, I watched that whole Jets game. It was brutal. Yeah, it was. <laughs> um, that that team, not just the defense, but the team looks so uninspired. It's ridiculous. Like I know you've seen the the uh, the clip on the internet of like yeah, Jason Garrett going out and trying to hand. No one wants to touch his hands. Honestly, it's okay. The Saints game. I knew that was gonna be a close game. Look, Zeke fumbled. Jason Witten fumbled. That's rare. You know, I didn't think the Cowboys played that great. The defense played well, though. Um, the next game, who they who they lose to? White right after I can't. Oh, the Packers. Okay. Yeah, the Packers. That Dak did not play great. Okay, the defense didn't play great either, and they started. Dak played great in the second half, but he didn't play great. Now you go to look at the stats and say he had three picks. One was his fault. One and was two a tip, tip passes, and the yeah. other one was someone got past interference and they didn't call it and it was like a comeback route and stuff like that so he, he didn't play his best but he didn't he wasn't the reason they lost in my opinion this that jets Packers game, game was the defense 100 that yeah Packers game. that uh that jets game i mean look they're missing two tackles uh zeke i don't they paid him his money he hadn't done anything he but has he's not, not he's, he's not worse than demarcus lawrence they paid demarcus lawrence over 100 million dollars he has the biggest contract on that team <laughs> hadn't he done has anything yeah. anything i don't even know where he's at where he's at. I mean, Robert Quinn has been the guy who's really yeah. shown up since his yeah. suspension. Ain't that sad? That's what I'm trying to say. So, I, I, they need a new co- You know, the funny thing is, the first three weeks, we saw Kellen Moore, the new offensive coordinator, do a whole bunch of things that we've never seen. You know, certain passes, passing on first down, you know, all these creative things. And then, for some reason, during the losing streak that they're on right now, you don't see it anymore. And I was listening to Tony Romo. He was doing the telecast on a CBS on the game. He kind of called out his coach. He called. <laughs> he called out the coach. He goes, you know that this, and he had a whole bunch of subtle blows, but this was the biggest one. Whenever he said, you know, this play calling has Jason Garrett's footprints all over it. <laughs> That's that means he won't allow Kellen Moore to call the plays they want. Like Kellen Moore will go up and call a play, and Jason Garrett will be like, ah, oh, do this. Yeah, I want you to run it on this one. I want you to do a short pass. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. Would you I'm attest that you. to the success that Kellen Moore was getting? And do you think that Jason Garrett was scared? That he may, you know, Jerry might have been thinking he has, look, he has uh, Chris Richard and Kellen Moore, two young guys that are really affecting this team to our first three-game success. Do you think Jason Garrett was kind of feeling the pressure that maybe people start saying this is all Kellen Moore and Chris Richard? No, because J- Jerry Jones loves Jason Garrett like a son, which is why he's still there. Yeah, I'm but, shocked he's still there, honestly. But I'm not, but... No, I mean... I mean why shock? Because well, man, like if if he was if he was gone, you don't today, fire somebody mid season unless they're abysmal. Well, yeah, and plus if he, he was on the open market right now, how 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 many teams do you think would bid on him? All of them. Wait, on Jason Garrett? No, no, no. <laughs> Coach Clap? No. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm Coach not Clapp? rocking with Coach Clap. Coach Clap. That's all he knows how to do. Coach Clap. <laughs> I mean, look, if he would have let Carolyn Moore and everyone else do their job. He'd have a contract next year because they would damn sure go to the NFC Championship, and I wouldn't be surprised if they win that. He would damn near have a championship. But I now mean, they're like in their I said, their lives right look, now, Amari dude. Cooper is out. 
You got two tackles that are out. Byron Jones, the corner, is out. Those are some key injuries on that team. Okay, when, like I said, look, Cleveland got rid of one guard, the best offense, and, and look how bad their line became. You know, so could you imagine two tackles and Dak had to go through all that and he still played well, in my opinion. But next week they play the Eagles. It's at Jerry World. I think the Cowboys are desperate for a win. He will not. I'm believing that he will not have Amari Cooper. Dude, it's going to be kind of low scoring, to be honest. But I think the Cowboys are going to uh, win. But it's going to be ugly. My, my thing he, is, when you lose Lyle Collins, who's having a Pro Bowl season, his best season of the year, that does affect that team. A young sure. tackle. Yeah. That does affect that team. Let, uh, Schubert, what were you going to say? No, what I was going to say was, th- I, I'm not, I wasn't too freaked out by the Cowboys loss. I definitely am not like one of those people who's out there like, oh, the Cowboys should be worried. Like this is, they were three this, and is five this looks bad. And then they went seven and one, you know? So it, yeah, I mean, it's the beginning of the season. They played a Jets team that just had Sam Darnold back and somehow opened up the playbook. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was kind of like a, a situation you probably didn't fully prepare for on defense and you had to adjust most of the time. You you know, you caught off to a, a early, the Jets had an early start and you were backpedaling at that point. So, you know, it's a hard game to come back from, and they did a good job of coming back. The Cowboys and Dak Prescott always keep you in the game. So that's always what's good about the Cowboys, and I'm pretty confident about them. I do feel like this game against the Eagles might go the Eagles' way because the Eagles really have that revenge wanting to come back after, you know, the whole deal with getting embarrassed last week. (laughs) Yeah, and that's why... That's why I'm I'm rocking with the Eagles on this one. They got embarrassed. Uh, which, uh, what's his name? Uh, Doug Peterson gave a guarantee that they're going to win. Not that that means anything or anything. I just feel that the Eagles are pl- going to be playing more inspired football come Sunday. I'm worried about like the Cowboys offensive line. The, the Eagles have a pretty damn good defense. As long as Carson Wentz can move the ball up and down the field, the Eagles should be fine. And they're running the ball again. I'm kind of picking the Eagles. And the reason why... I sound so concerned for the Cowboys, and I know Schubert said we shouldn't be concerned. Both of you said that. But the thing that I'm concerned about is this. If you look at the standings for the NFC, we have said already, let's jump to the NFC. We have either the Saints or the Panthers making the playoffs. We have the Packers making the playoffs. We have the 49ers making the playoffs or the Seahawks. Now, all those teams that I just named, one's five and zero, oh, one's five and one, one's five and one, one's five and one, one's four and two. The Cowboys are in a three and three race with the Eagles. I just feel that a wild card team does not come from the NFC East, and the reason why the Cowboys should maybe not panic, but at least be worried enough to where it's on their radar. They're going to be in a blood heat battle with the Eagles to see who makes that spot to the playoffs because I believe that. The wild card team comes from either the NFC West or the NFC South or both. No, you make you make a, you make a great point. Like I can't yeah. argue with that. But it is early. It yeah. is very early. We have ten games left, but it's just it's just something to put. Like like I said, don't panic, don't be don't be alarmed, but at least keep it on your radar. What everyone else's standings, what everybody else's rankings are compared to the Cowboys and the Eagles, who are 3-3, three and three, and these head-to-head matchups, it's this one and the next one. The Cowboys have to win at least one of those matchups because if they lose both, they will be in trouble. Let's, oh, yes. Let's jump to... Do, do, do we talk Saints? Green we Bay? Talk Cowboys. Yeah, let's talk Green Bay. Um, Let me pull that game up. Green Bay beat the Lions in a very close game. On Controversial. Some, re- some Controversial. Referee, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some referee BS. Uh. Schubert, start us off. What did you think of the Packers game, 23-22? to Man, I thought that it was the right team won. 
at the end of the day, even with the penalties, the Lions got the, got the lead. They should have kept the lead. They, you know, Matt Stafford is just not the guy. Like, this was going to be, not... he's, he's never really had, like, a big marquee win. This would have been a big marquee win for him, a big statement win for the Lions. Set them in a place in their division where, you know, they're in the hunt. And now it's kind of like they're backpedaling again. And now I just I think that it's time to move on from Matt Stafford. You know, Dang. we can talk about the we can talk about the penalty stuff all you want, but at the end of the day, the Lions lost the game, Be, not because of the penalties, but because they let Aaron Rodgers catch back up. You know, it, they hit him in the mouth early. The defense is really great. You know, they have two really great corners. Darius Slay might be the, one of the best in the in the whole NFL. And you know, if Aaron Rodgers may get shut out a quarter, but you're not going to shut him out for four quarters. So, you know, they just gave him too much time to catch back up, and it, the Lions lost the game. That was on them. So I, I think that it's time. They have a young core. This would be a perfect time for them to, if they had the ability to, to get, pick someone up that could be the future. Like, at least, you know, with some of the teams that maybe aren't moving on from quarterbacks, we have like an idea of like who's behind them that like could maybe play. Who's gonna play if Matt Stafford is out? I don't know. Who's the yeah, backup? I have no idea. Probably like John Kidner or something. No, he's the he's the Cowboys coach. My mistake. No, <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. But I, I get your point. My question, and, and I and I and I like all your points. I'm not. I'm gonna ask Julian a referee question. But in terms of the Packers, yes, they won that game. Yes, Aaron Rodgers did. You like you said, you can't shut him out for too long. But I still, even though they're five and one, I think they're five and one because of their defense and the run game. Aaron Rodgers has been, I would I wouldn't say above average. I'd say he's been right at the average line, maybe one notch above average. He might be like one point better. I'm really concerned about this Matt Lafleur offense going into the playoffs. How they will generate yards through the air. I know they're they're without um their star uh wide receiver Devontae Adams, but even when Adams was there, they were still struggling to get yards through the air. I just don't know if Aaron Rodgers believes 100% in this Matt LaFleur system. Julian, I want to ask you, what what's your takeaway in terms of refereeing from this game and just bring it to a conversation of refereeing this season? No, the refereeing this season has been absolutely terrible. Um that that game was stolen by the refs. I'm not even going to get into my conspiracy theories and say that for myself. But <laughs> that game was 100% stolen from the refs. They had two bullshit calls that didn't happen. One one would have given the, the Lions the ball back. And the one that was the second one. The first one would have taken the ball away from Green Bay and basically damn near seal it for the Lions. So they, they really got the game stolen from. Of course, you know, you can go back and say, uh, well, you know, Matt Stafford should have did better. They should, you're right, they should have. But that's the Lions for you. But at the end of the day, they really stole that game from me. And uh, the the NFL knows about it. I read a tweet saying like the Lions were in touch with the you know the referees, the NFL over and so like like they know they screwed up. I thought it was just a prime time game. I thought that was just completely. You know, it's a professional league. You got that- these athletes making millions of dollars. These refs are making six figures. I like, That's I something that it. can't happen, yeah. That, yeah, that can't happen. Like, I don't get it, you know? I, I, I wonder if it's gotten to the point where we have too much replay, 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 and I've seen a lot of people say this, where it's so much replay to the point to where we can slow the game down to the standstill on our TVs, and we see every little mistakes that the refs do, but it seems like 
in the past when it wasn't that big of a concern on replay, they wouldn't miss this big and out th these big outlandish calls. Whether it's Ram Saints, whether it's the call the Ram experienced a couple weeks ago, whether it's this, they've been missing really, really big and crucial key moments. And to say that this is a professional league, like Julian it says, they can't miss those calls. I agree with Schubert. The, the Lions should have won this game, but at the same time, the refs are supposed to make these calls. No, you're, you're right. It's, yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it's disgusting, really. It's At the end of the day, you know, it's disgusting. And as far as what Schubert was saying about uh, Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, that you're not, you're not really that sold on Matt LaFleur's offense. I understand that. Devontae Adams is out, but the biggest thing that no one's talking about is Randall Cobb is now on the Cowboys. They took away his receiver that he's had for God knows how long. He, so was, they, with, he was with Jordy Rogers. Like, that that's was what I'm saying. Group. Like he, he And they were good friends. Like, they were really good friends. Like, you took away his boy. Like, you took away one of his best friends on the team. So he has a whole bunch of new receivers, like he was passing to last night, and Jimmy Graham drops everything. Yeah, but, he does. <laughs> but that, like, the dude that caught a, a touchdown, Lazard or something like that. I, have like, no I don't idea know who that, that, is. that is, you know, until last night. Like, he's throwing to a bunch of brand new people and things like that. Look, I'll tell you this. I was rooting for the Lions because I had money on them, and, and I won the bet anyways. But every time Aaron Rodgers throws a football downfield, it's like Stephen Curry shooting a three when you're rooting Beautiful. against Steph Curry. You're just scared. You're yeah. scared that it's going to go. And every time Stephen Curry shoots a three, whenever he was playing the, the Cavaliers, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Okay. It's the same thing with Aaron Rodgers throws the football. He throws so damn beautiful. And I know he makes – he's the best playmaker in the NFL, in my opinion. Whenever well, it's you. go time, dude, I want him. And Because Patrick Mahomes hasn't shown us he can do that yet. Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers is the reason why this passing offense has worked. I, I just don't believe in this Matt LaFleur system. I think after this year, we're going to see how the McVay coaching tree is done. And that's no slight on McVay because we know Bill Belichick's coaches haven't won. But it's just showing the league that this flare up of hiring all these Matt, uh, of hiring all of these Sean McVay assistants hasn't been working. And I know Green Bay's five and one, but you got to give a lot of that credit to Mike Pettin and that defense. Because that defense is a lot better than people expected. I know they've been drafting and preparing for this defense, but Mike Mike Pettin's done a great, great job, and you got to give credit where credit is due. So Absolutely. let's get to some of the games of the week that we're looking forward to, and let's get some picks, man. Let's start. We haven't been picking some of these games. Let's get to some picks of the game of the weeks that we're looking forward to. Schubert, give me one game of this week that you're looking forward to, and give me your pick, and then, Julian, you'll pick the game as well as myself. Okay. So the game that I think is probably the most interesting watch this week is probably I'm going to go with Houston Indy Indianapolis it may not be the most interesting game of the week, but I think it's really important. This is a really big division game for the two top teams in this division. Uh, it's in Indy. It'd be a big statement win if the Colts could get that. They would move to four and two. You know, it, it would be a big deal if the Colts got that win. And on the other hand, it would also be big for the Texans to win that game. I've seen a lot of people putting the Texans as a team that could potentially make the Super Bowl after that win against the Chiefs. I've this seen that a, as well. This is their their time to prove that if they can go in Indianapolis and beat the Colts convincingly, or at least you know get the win at all. You know that take that's one step further to reaching that goal. So I think Houston. Texans versus Indianapolis Colts is a definitely a game to watch. I, I I pick the Texans for that. I think they're playing good football. I'm going with you, man. Deshaun Watson, they called him the next Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan of football. <laughs> He's been playing very, very well. 
He's looking like one of the... I know people said the matchup to years to come was going to be Mayfield-Mahomes. People said Wentz-Mahomes. People said Wentz-Mayfield. I think it's going to be Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Deshaun Watson's really good, and this is the steps to him cementing his future legacy to getting to be one of those best in, in the in the uh, NFL, and this is a game that he should win. I'm picking the Texans. Julian, who you got winning that game? Oh, come on. Oh, that game? Um, dude, that's a tough one. It is because the, Col- the Colts are a good football team. I got team. the Colts. I got the Colts winning that game. It's, right, it's, it, it's going to be really telling for that division. Like either well, whoever the Colts comes coming out coming off a of bye week. Yeah, they are. Yeah, definitely got the Colts. And it's home for the Colts. It's home and off a of bye week. Frank Reich will have that team prepared. Julian, what's the game that you are looking forward to this week? And give you me already a pick know for the it. Cowboys and the Eagles. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be nasty. Everyone's hurt on both teams, and both are desperate for a win. Sunday night in Jerry World. Definitely going with the Cowboys. I'm rolling with the Cowboys on this. The spread is three. I'm rolling with the Cowboys. They need this win. And look, it, I think Dak's going to come up in this game. I think I think I don't. I, Zeke's going to run the ball too. He has not been doing well. I'm, but he needs a good breakout. It's, it's time to pop. He sh- the breakout was supposed to be against the Jets, but Greg Williams blitzes so damn much. I don't know how Cleveland didn't make him the head coach, but. You know, he has an attitude issue. If, if you don't know this, I heard this. Adam Gase, the, the head coach of the Jets, and Greg Williams don't talk. Like, they just pass each other up in the hallway. They do not talk at all. I can believe it. That's what they said he did with Hugh Jackson. <laughs> That's so funny, dude. I kind of saw it on Hard Knocks up. last year. Dude, what kind of shit is that, dude? And look, <laughs> I, you know what I noticed with the Jets, even though we're talking about the Cowboys right quick? It was funny because after that game, like towards the end of it, like all of the players were around Greg Williams. Like Sam Darnold was talking to him, like the running back. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell was like hanging around him and stuff like that. Dude, Greg Williams, hey, Jerry, come get him. Come get him. <laughs> <laughs> Schubert, who you, well, I mean, I know me and you already picked that, but give your pick again for Cowboys Eagles. Yeah, I'm probably going to stay with my pick for the Eagles. I think both teams are riddled with injuries, but I'm going to take the the Carson Wentz factor here. I'm, I'm just going to roll with Carson Wentz. I'm with you with the Eagles, but I'm with you with for different reasons. I think Doug Peterson has this team energized. This team was embarrassed last week. I think the defense will come to play for reasons that Julian said. Losing two tackles on the offensive line is not good for Dallas. And with the great defensive line of the Eagles, I think the pass rush will get there. Who are there. injured? I mean, look, I think the pass rush will get there. They're 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 getting healthy. I think they got they got someone back this week, and I think Deshaun they're gonna. Jackson. And I think they're gonna get to the quarterback, and I think it's gonna work. I'm I'm picking the Eagles this week as well as Carson Wentz is there, man. I gotta rock with the Eagles. So. All right, my game this week, I, I'm going with a 325 game. I'm not going with Saints-Bears. I'm going with Ravens-Seahawks. I think this is a big game Ooh. for both squads. I think the Seahawks need to continue their win streak because they realize they're on the heels of the 49ers. And I think the Ravens need this game after just just to bounce back and, and, and get their momentum going again because they've had their – I believe they're coming off a bye, which they are. And the week that the week before the bye, they lost. Oh no, they won, but they won in that bullshit fashion in OT, which they should have won bigger because the Steelers lost uh, Mason Rudolph in that game. I really want to see how Lamar performs against Russell Wilson. This is a one of the most intriguing games of the week, and it's at 325. I'm gonna go with Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens because I just feel that. They're coming off a bye. This is a game that they need to win, get their 
momentum rolling like it was in the beginning. Get Lamar Who's going. Coming off a bye. The uh, the the Ravens are coming off a bye, huh? No, they played no. Uh, the Bengals last week. Oh, they played the B. Ba- oh, why which, am I not? Which seeing? is like coming off a bye. Yeah, I mean they did okay. True, true. Well, they haven't had a buy yet. My mistake, but I'm still going with the Ravens. I I just think that the Ravens need to keep this train going, get pick, get back up in speed, get Lamar going, get that running game together, and then get a quality win against a Seahawks team that is playing good football at the moment. I'm picking Lamar Jackson in the Raid Ravens. Schubert, who are you going with? Um, I don't really like the way that the Ravens have been playing. And I mean, they didn't. I, when they put when you play the Bengals at home, I think you should beat them a little bit more, a little bit better than you beat them. That's I, why I didn't I think, think they I'm, played. And I mean, you know, and the Seahawks are playing with a lot of heart. And I, I take Russell Wilson over most quarterbacks in this league. I mean, I, I think I'd go with the Seahawks. Maybe the Seahawks grab one more before, but they need to start losing at some point. <laughs> Julie, who are you going with? Seahawks, Ravens. Ravens, I just have a feeling that the Ravens are going to show out. And Baltimore, uh, Seattle's defense isn't that good. You can run all over them. And, and that's what Baltimore's Baltimore good at. The ball. Yeah, they run the ball well. And Baltimore has a better defense than Seattle. So I'm picking the team with the better defense. It's at Seattle, though, huh? Yeah, yeah. it is at Seattle. I'm going to Well, if it's going to be raining, it doesn't matter. I'm going with Baltimore. It just Yeah, if it rains, it just leads more to the, that running game. And then, like you said, the, the Ravens are a great running team. And my mistake, fans, about telling you about the bye week, I, th- I just thought they were. But it's like Schubert said, they played the Bengals. And I just thought they didn't play last week. But it turns out that they didn't blow out the Bengals, which you would assume that the Ravens. Yeah, they won by six too. points. Yeah, it was a close game. And that was like the game against the Steelers where I thought the Ravens should have handily taken care of them. A Mason Rudolph-led Steelers and to only win by three points. Lamar didn't have a great game. So I want to see the Ravens get back on get back on cue, get the ball rolling, yeah. and be that team to win the AFC real, North. Real quick, a game we didn't mention but I think is worth mentioning is Green Bay at home against Oakland. Uh, Oakland's Ooh, that coming off that bye after that big win in London, so this is kind of their chance to prove if it was real or fake. And to be doing their thing in the AFC West because yeah. with, with the Chiefs stumbling and with their record being how it is, they could potentially make the playoffs, so that'll be a big game for them. Uh, real quick, let's uh, we, got, we got a little bit of time left. Julian, we're not going to spend too long on it, but the only basketball topic worth talking about since – Look, I'm going to tell you guys now, next week, ladies and gents, we will be, it's either next week or the week after, but I'm pretty sure we're going to make it next week. We'll be doing our NBA season preview, getting you guys ready for the for the NBA. Justin will be on. We'll bring Charles from Primetime on. Julian will be on. Schubert and myself will do a big panel getting you guys ready for the NBA uh, NBA season. But with that being said, I said last week that we, w- we will talk about China this week. I explained a little bit in terms of the NBA, how it affects their cap situation, how players are going to have to give back money if China pulls away, how they can lose a lot of revenue. We know how it affects this, but that's not what we were talking about. LeBron James made a comment about China uh, this week, and a lot of critics were getting on him saying that he should have defended the, the Chinese, he should have stood for democracy, that he, or he shouldn't have commented at all. My stance on it is the, the comment that he said, second, where he said, we're not here to talk about politics. I think that's a bad look because because by him saying that, when he wants to stand for other issues in America, they're going to say that, bro, I thought you weren't here for politics. And I talked to Julian a little bit about that at Walmart. But Julian, what's your thoughts on this whole LeBron-China situation? 
once that once the China situation came about, I knew for LeBron and the NBA in general, you know, outspoken people like Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, that it was a double-edged sword. If they don't say anything, it's this. If they say anything, you know, it's this. But the best case scenario is not to say anything because not saying anything won't lose you billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. You're just going to have to take heat from people that were giving you heat anyways. The only people that are really giving LeBron a lot of flack are people who are the same people who gave him flack for all the social justice things that he said before. They're the same people who gave uh, Colin Kaepernick flack for kneeling down, for not saying a word and kneeling down. So regardless, you can't please those type of people. So considering that they're the only people that really give you issues or, you know, really try to find a way to chastise anything that you say, well, screw them. Go ahead and make it towards it's the safest way. You're not losing money. And the only people you're pissing off are people that don't like you anyways from some of the political stances that you may take. And on top of that, every political stance that LeBron takes, every stance is not international. It's something that has to do with America. And yes, he plays, pays millions and millions of dollars of taxes a year for America. And most of these issues are also black issues. You might have said, you know, one or two things about Trump that people didn't like. Oh, what? Oh, well, get over it. But at the end of the day, whenever you speak about China, uh, communism is a deep-rooted part of their culture. And they take, they're really particular about their culture. And you don't insult China about their culture. You don't insult any country about their culture. But China is real, real serious about it. It's, it's the same thing as I, I, tell, I told one of my friends real quick. You look at women in the Middle East. You know, they're covered up. They can't show their hair. The only thing you see is their eyes. They can't drive. They can't talk back to their husbands. They don't work. All those things, okay? American women, or not American, Americans look at them and it's like, ooh, you know, why are y'all like that? Well, you know, you don't work. You, you can't talk back to your husband. You have no authority at all. You can't make any decisions for yourself. Meanwhile, in their culture, they're looking at American women saying, why are you showing that much skin? You talk back to your husband. Wait, you work. You, you don't take care of your kids. So it's, it's whatever side that you're on. You got to understand from their point of view. And from China's point of view, they don't like the you, people from the United States meddling in there. Uh, business as well as culture, politics, anything. People look at Hong real simple before I let you, you know, take over. Hong Kong is like New York City. The whole state of New York is super conservative. Okay. But New York City is very liberal and it speaks for the whole state. Same thing with Hong Kong, but it's a little bit more extreme. Hong Kong is a little bit more out there. It's at the tip of China on the ocean. It's like its own little island. And the rest of China is one way. Hong Kong is the other way. But Hong Kong is where the most people are, and is the business capital of the country. So people think what Hong Kong says goes for the rest of the country. That's not how it goes. People in the rest of the country have those deep-rooted beliefs, uh, those communist beliefs, and they love their country. And it's just Hong Kong, and certain, not all of Hong Kong, just certain people in Hong Kong that may feel one way. So at the end of the day, LeBron James, you know, he did what he did. I, I, I agree with you. He should have doubled down on his comments at all, really. That's where I'm, that's where I'm at, like... He shouldn't just have just said as much. He should have just, you know, I don't really know much about the China, China thing, you know. And left I it alone. And left it and left it alone. Yeah, like it the, was starting to die down. It really he, was. He, like, he, he should have said something last week. 
he brought it back up. Like he was the one. Like if he didn't say anything, th- I don't know if it'd have been this big this week. And and Leo, Shuby, I saw some jokes. They said Le- LeBron's about to get some wonton Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That's so funny. You know what he should do? That's actually a good business idea. He should do it. <laughs> Wonton Wednesdays. They started calling him Lawong James. That's so funny, dude. Damn. The whole the whole thing is a clusterfuck, to be honest. It, it sucks because like I get being an American and like, yeah, democracy and everything, because that's what we stand for. But like, bro, look, at the end of the day, like this affects this entire sport. And, and I know people can be like, what? so you don't believe in democracy? No, bro, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you don't realize that your favorite team might lose their best player, might not be able to play players the way that players expect to be paid. Like, this is a big trickle-down effect. Like, the NBA becomes hella screwed if China pulls out. Like, all of these $100 million players are going to have to pay the teams back. They're going to have to give that money back. Like, this shit is, is it's, a, it's like Julian said, it's a clusterfuck all the way around. There's no win in this situation. Yeah, and people got nerves to come like Ennis Cantor. You, you seen him like comment about LeBron or something like that? And meanwhile, I put on Twitter, it's like, you talking all this shit about LeBron. How about you go say something about China? Go, go ahead. I want to see you do it. Oh, he already well, he's, he can't. No, he's, he can't. he's talking about like because he did speak out against his country. This, yeah, these Turkey. are all the things that happened to him. And he tried, they tried to kidnap him. In his and, culture. He, I told him, I, I sent him a tweet. You go say something about China. I don't want to hear about Turkey. You go say something about China. Turkey don't have all the money. I want you to go ahead and publicly demonize China in the way that they do things. But he won't do it. He wants LeBron to do it. So don't come talk shit about LeBron because you won't do it. Because Ennis knows for damn sure if he goes ahead and does that, he'll probably be out the NBA. And Adam Silver is going to call one of them, uh, the people from the Turkish embassy oh, <laughs> to go even, get him. To go get that. him. <laughs> no, they want him. They want him. I don't, you know that, right? Yeah, no, I know. Like, they're keeping him in the United States for a reason. That's why he won't go overseas. Well, don't tell me. If I was Adam Silver, let, let Ennis Cannon go pull some shit like that and see where he'd be. Someone <laughs> yeah. should have called his ass on the phone already by now no. and been like, hey. Ennis hey, Cantor was in some shit because he was that's in enough. Boston and some, some Turkish people ran up on him and was trying to give him that smoke. That's what I'm saying. Like, dude, shut up. You don't <laughs> know who a- Adam Silver knows. He's all nice and stuff for the camera. He could be a stone cold gangster. You have no idea. <laughs> Real shit. Yo, Ines Kander has a lot to deal with right now. Shuby, you feel anything about this China situation? Or have we covered it? I mean, I, I don't really know what to make out of all the comments that Me are going That's through what, right now. The only, the only comment I can comment on is LeBron doubling down saying we, uh, we're we not here to talk about politics. That's the only thing I can comment on. Like, well, ooh, that's, just took the Bill the, Belichick the, approach. Yeah, just focus on the Jets. The, the, <laughs> the whole Jets. thing the whole thing is, and I think the whole point of like what everyone's getting on him about is like is what you guys were saying with like if you're going to make bold political statements and I get, you know, I, I'm not trying to blow back on anyone's statements. So I get what, I get all the points. I'm just saying that uh, you know, he, what he's what they're all upset about is that, you know, if you want to make, you know, all these statements about, you know, oppression, then why won't you recognize that there is an oppression going on with these individuals at the moment? That's what people were like upset about. No, I, I mean, I get like, that. it's really not an I'll, issue I'll that like that. That LeBron James needs to speak about. It's not it's like not. Any, it's like it's really it's really not so like the whole point of people looking for looking to celebrities and athletes for like 
to make these big political statements is stupid. And it's the whole reason that you have a, a guy who was the host of The Apprentice as the president right now. <laughs> we're, glo- we're too busy glorifying athletes. You're dropping bombs. Well, it's, it's the truth. It, the, like, if we were too busy not, like, glorifying, you know, these people who really have no idea about the actual consequences of the average human, then they why are they making the decisions on how we should feel about certain things? No, you I know, 100% like, agree with that. I yeah, always you know, thought people you. look towards athletes and uh, rap, uh, actors and, you know, you, you said it, rappers, you said like it. That. Yeah, rappers and stuff like that. Especially for, like, with the black community. You know, like, Go talk to your mom. You don't think she has a good opinion? Why don't you go value her opinion? Your dad may have a good opinion. You know what I'm saying? Like, why don't you? Get, why don't we ask the people who are doing something about it or can yeah. do something about it? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with both of y'all. Like that, we we glorify too much of what certain people have to say, and then when they then when we expect them to say something and say something stupid, it's like, why y'all say something stupid? Well, it's like, bro, what form of training education has these people shown that they know what the fuck they're talking about? Like they ju- they just have a lot of followers, but that's a whole nother topic in general. Uh, I was trying to think. I had another joke about. Oh yeah, <laughs> yo, LeBron and Kyrie, the Lakers and the Nets. Lucky that the Chinese government didn't snatch their ass when they were in China. <laughs> Did you see that tweet about Kyrie? And it said it said something like, uh, "The worst thing for the NBA is Kyrie Irving tweeting." I'm gonna look at this whole China conversation <laughs> yeah. and think of something to say about it. Could you imagine if Kyrie <laughs> said something? Oh my gosh, he would be the one. <laughs> they would have snatched their ass up, and then I, I thought, I was like, you see, Trump got Lamelo, Le, Le, uh, I mean, uh, Jello ball out of there. Trump not going to get LeBron James out of the No, no. LeBron's going to sit his ass down. I mean, he did get, a, he tried to go get ASAP, so maybe court of public opinion. But ASAP didn't say shit about Trump. LeBron that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> ASAP does not talk about politics. ASAP says he's a groovy nigga and he only talk about sex and bitches. <laughs> like he has come out and said that and black and black people shunned him for that shit. But she and a Trump wouldn't go get ASAP. Trump which is another going. which is another part of my point. Why are they shunning him for that shit? Why does ASAP Rocky have to have an opinion on that? ASAP <laughs> Rocky should be able to talk about d- doing drugs and <laughs> getting bitches. Getting bitches. <laughs> like he shouldn't have to talk about politics. Trump is not going to get LeWong James with his wonton Wednesday. <laughs> people, people out here tell me that Oprah Winfrey should be the president. <laughs> well, look if Trump can look nice. Look if, if if I'm if I'm if I got don't start. <laughs> don't start because look anything possible in this podcast. I don't want Julie to get started. A whole new segment because I could get really started. <laughs> Julie, tell me where you can find you on social media. <laughs> you can find me at JujuNav, J-U-J-U-N-A-V. Come follow me if you want to get triggered. We may agree on some things, but the things that we don't agree on, you'll hate me for it. Yeah, you it's can. all fun and games. <laughs> it is. Schubert, tell the people they can find you at on social media. You can find me on social media at hschubert14. That's on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you can listen to the bros who binge every Sunday weekend. Every Saturday. Uh, Saturday. And, you know, this week I'm going to that film festival that I mentioned at the start of the show. So I'll be talking about Jojo Rabbit, which also comes out this week. So that's something I'll be able to talk about. And, uh, Lyndon, are you going to go see Zombieland? I guess if I can't see Jojo's Rabbit, because I don't think that comes out this weekend. I think it comes out for you this weekend. Maybe so. I don't know. Um, I don't think it comes out this weekend. Yeah, because if it doesn't, then I'm going to go see Zombieland for the peeps. But we'll be talking Titans no matter what. And it's always sunny, which I do need to watch after we finish this. 
Yeah, true. <clears throat> but word, dope. All right, look, I didn't say this at the beginning because I don't know how many people that, that are going to listen to this or are fans of anime by the time they hear this, but Saturday we are doing our first live podcast. Hashtag Anime Talk. We'll be doing that first live podcast at the uh, AVC Anime Fest at the Cajun Dome Convention Center on Saturday, October 19th. Our panel's from 12.15 to 1.15. Tickets are only $15. You guys, please, please come out. Get your tickets today. You can get it at Ticketmaster.com, AVC Anime Fest, or at the Cajun Dome Convention Center box office. You will be able to get tickets that day. And for people that come to our panel, we will be giving free merch. Uh, the merch is being made actually as we speak. Shout out to my guy, Michael. So everything will be ready for you guys come Saturday. So get your tickets today as well as the official AVC after party will be at Wing Fingers sponsored by Design by Pauly Steez as well as hashtag anime talk. We are presenting Weebs and Wings uh, uh, after party from 8 until if you bring your AVC anime ticket or badge, you'll get a free PBR beer. We'll be playing Jump Force, which uh, we'll have a Jump Force tournament, which I will win. We have trivia as well as a costume contest as well as just hanging out, talking anime, having a good time. Be sure to come out to Wing Fingers. Uh, if you're an LSU fan, be sure to check out the uh, preview of primetime. They're doing a Mississippi State versus LSU preview. That'll be out by the time you guys hear this. As like Schubert said, check out Bros Who Binge. And be sure to check out the episode of Anime Talk that's out now. But other than that, I want to thank Marcel Black, Marcel P. Black again for coming on the podcast. You guys be sure to follow him, get his album. But for Marcel, for Schubert, for Julian, my name is Lyndon. You guys have a great, great weekend. We will talk to you guys next Thursday as always. Until then, you guys be safe. I'm just trying to get about the struggle someday. I'm not your weather hustle Sunday to Sunday. Too many killers, Lord, I'm sick of all this gunplay. I just want to see my daughter and my son safe. From Boru to BK, they go the dumb way. I pray these lyrics make a difference in them some way. I'm just trying to write forever all in one take. I'm just trying to write forever all in one take. More than just music or movements, I write for revolution. Not for the foolish or stupid, I'm here to clear confusion. I'm writing rubrics for shooters to aim at institutions. Politicking with gang members singing hallelujah. Cause every single day I pray my actions ain't in vain. That I ain't waste my time with change that never ever came. But I stay with it, committed to go and get it. Spend secular street scriptures for my niggas. I pledge allegiance to the black where youngest banging get that crop. My mission to change conditions is scribbled in every sentence. Get all this dope about the hood, stop all the murder by the cops. My vengeance to get ridiculous, organized against the system. Much more than popping chickens and blowing with swishers. Trump got them not just tripping, man. These crackers trying to kill us someday. I just want to see my people free. And I'm going to keep on fighting like my ancestors.